boomers, welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly dose of the 90s and early Sonic the Hedgehog via the lens of the UK's Sonic comic, Sonic the Comic. The process is permanent. Once it's completed, it can never be undone. We're the Humes who think we're in charge. I'm Dave Fulmer. And my name is Chris McFeely. And yes, the process STC worked upon my brain <laughs> truly can never be undone. Prevents me from tolerating a lot of other things. <laughs> Well, we can certainly tolerate this cover because it's A, an Elson, Ooh. and B, about the thing oh, in the comics. It was this the third Elson cover in a row? It is. The third in a row, 97, 98, 99. Oh, that's worth mentioning. This is issue number 99? For God's sakes. For God's sakes, we're here with issue number 99. Cover dated the 18th of March, but released on March the 5th. Flipping. 99. What even? Uh, it was... It, how long we did, so how long have we been doing this podcast now it's like years 99 years we've been doing it 99, well, 99 episodes yeah episodes issue we've been doing it 99 god that's a big number 99 there's only one number bigger <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when we thought we might do it for like five episodes and then get bored and stop <laughs> i don't know that i ever thought we'd get bored i thought we just might not have the time but we always make the time for stc yeah I mean, in a very real sense, I don't have the time, but I've been, <laughs> but nevertheless, because <laughs> it's important. This is an important historical record that it's frankly weird that we were the people who did and it hadn't been done like 10 years sooner. This is what happened. You left it up to us to do. <laughs> and look at what you've got as a result. I mean, for God's sake. How have we been allowed to be the ones who wind up doing this? I'll tell you what you've got. You've got a free Rugrats sticker album oh, and stickers. Oh, yes. Now, <laughs> it does somewhat pull away yep. from the drama of the cover. I'd go as far as to say it completely ruins it. Although the cover has clearly been drawn with the brief <laughs> that he's going to have to leave a big space... Yes. To advertise the fact that there is a free Rugrats album and stickers. Yes. Always great when you get a free pack of stickers in with the Oh, free God, album, yeah. You've got to. Said. You've got to. But the cover here, this is by yeah, Richard Elson cover with colours by John Burns. Mm -hmm. And it's Sonic doing a big old pose, the big old Elson pose, hand outstretched in front of him, standing on the top of a rocky outcropping, while the Chaotix just do a funky dance uh, <laughs> in amongst some clouds behind him. Yeah, what's meant to be happening there? It's, it's like they're still under the... Wait, are they still under the influence of the nightmare box from the previous issue? <laughs> I feel like it's like they've been hit by a shockwave and yeah. they're being sent tumbling backwards. Oh. And Sonic is bracing it. Uh, there's a big cloud of dust just sort of whooshing into them. That's exactly what it is. And then it's all space and planets and special zone in the background. It's real cool. It's it's the fact that the whole image is a scene. Mm. You know, top top to bottom, mm. all four corners of the image, the art goes all the way down. I just feel like that doesn't happen very much. You are. <laughs> Hang on, what? <laughs> uh, you, you know what I mean? Is so so many STC covers, it's normally a, a flat color. Oh, I see. Yeah. With at best a piece of foreground for somebody yeah. to stand on. Yeah. Uh, uh, but this 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 feels like a poster that got turned into a cover. You know. Yeah, it does. It really does. And now you've mentioned there that he's left the space for the free Rugrats album and stickers notice. I would say that this is probably the most successful space leaving we've ever seen on an SDC cover. He's like really, really successfully laid out the action of the image around that space in a way that looks really mm -hmm. natural and organic. No Tailses have had to lean out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> no Knuckleses are hidden behind any transfers. It's just 
unfortunate that it's advertising a free Rugrats sticker album yes. on one of the most super dramatic big cliffhanger this moments the comic has yeah. seen in a very long time. And, and ever will. And I think the... I know that Rugrats is a cartoon about babies, not a cartoon for babies, but I don't know, something mm-hmm. about that but, aesthetic yep. on this page, uh, you know. You mean? It makes me think Rugrats is for babies, and it makes me resent Rugrats. <laughs> but we'll talk about Rugrats in a minute. <laughs> for the other things promised us by the cover of this issue include Knuckles, Ray. Decap Attack, Ray. a Roller Badnik pinup, <sighs> and a new Sonic's World story called No Exit. Ray. And it says, Doomsday Looms in the bottom right-hand corner, because it does. Oh, it looms. Ooh, doomsday Looms Day. Ooh. Yeah. Sun's out, Death Egg Robot's out. <laughs> but enough about the cover. What's inside? Great reference that we can definitely spin off for ten minutes here in Megadroid's first sentence in the intro box. <laughs> Alive and kicking Rugrats free gift is yours to keep this issue the biggest, bestest comic of the whole wide world. Now, if I hadn't read that, I wouldn't have been able to say this, but I'm guessing what that means is that Rugrats was shown as part of Live and Kicking. Yes. You're, you can't. You don't remember that? <laughs> really, no. Well, I'm surprised. Yes, absolutely. That was when Rugrats was... Andy Peters, he loved them Rugrats, he did. Did he? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, nice for him. I remember often like when the episodes would finish on Live and Kicking, Andy Peters would be like, play that bit back, I want to see that bit again. There was one, <laughs> there was one episode where Chucky was trying to... to uh, you know what? Let's just frame it all for the kids at home, although I'm sure ah. everybody knows what Rugrats is. Rugrats was one of the very first Nicktoons from Nickelodeon, and it was it was about babies. <laughs> babies have been adventures, the secret world of babies. Yeah. And it was one of their most popular shows, and it ran forever and ever, and then they did a spin-off where they were all teenagers. And now they've done a CGI revamp for Paramount Plus, because, I mean, you gotta have content. I'm wondering, sitting here now, like, obviously Rugrats, as I say, one of the first Nicktoons, so started very early on in the life of Nickelodeon. And you think how far back we were getting reviews for Ren and Stimpy and Ariel Monsters in the review zone. But when did it come to Terrestrial, you know? Mm. I'm sure Live and Kicking can't have been its birthplace on terrestrial television. Birthplace? Conduit? Channeler? I mean, it could have. Going Live finished in, I think, 93. It could have been. It just feels wrong that it was. It must have been on the afternoons and then moved to there. Also, I have the problem of the fact that it definitely was on in the afternoons in Irish television. Oh, I see. I remember one episode in particular. It was a Mother's Day themed episode where we finally found out (laughs) what happened to Chucky's mum. Oh, God, yes! Yeah, and it was shown on the Saturday, the weekend of Mother's Day, on both channels. The same episode, though, the one day, both channels. (laughs) And they were all very sad in the studio. Because obviously, Mm. this is a sad episode. It's a sweet, sad episode. That's as I recall. It's the That One Fresh Prince episode of Rugrats. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Yes, Rugrats is one of those cartoons where it was like, no, this is good. Um, I wasn't into it, though. You know, I watched it, but I wasn't into it. I was like, uh, I, I don't know. There was something about it that was just like, take or leave. There was a threshold, I think, for Rugrats, certainly for uh-huh. me, where I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, they, oh, they think the perfectly normal thing is some really involved adult conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw this episode last week, too. Man. You know, <laughs> it was like, you know, when I was getting older and snotterier, what am I, fifth, I'm coming 15 now. Yeah, that's like, the thing, you yeah. know, I get it. What else have you got? Oh, an episode about Passover where Tommy plays Moses in the flashback sequences. Oh, okay. Uh, Now we should tell them what Live and Kicking is. (laughs) 
Stop! If that music was giving you a lovely nostalgia rush, then I do apologize for this interruption, but we're about to go off on one at such great length about live and kicking and a load of similar Saturday morning television programs that I basically, as editor of this show, couldn't leave it here or we wouldn't get to Sonic until 40 minutes in. It was, however, prime STCTP content, so stay tuned for it later this episode. I just I just couldn't justify it being here at the start because we try and get on with things if we possibly can, so that feature is later on in the episode. Stay tuned. But enough about all that. Probably time to get back to Megadroid anyway, so the thing is Rugrats was a cartoon on live and kicking. Yes. And that's why Megadroid said that. Yes. And they're giving away some stickers. And I don't have this. I do. I have not kept my Rugrats book yeah. and stickers. This was obviously a polybagged issue that the, the album must have been. Yeah. Been. It's just the fact that they're doing an album now in 1997 mm-hmm. and referencing live and kicking. And it just makes me feel like this must have been rug, the peak of Rugrats mania. Yeah, it must have been, wasn't it? Even though it's notionally existed for five years. What? But no. Five-ish years, 92, 93, you know, started Nickelodeon. Okay, but we didn't have it on Terrestrial. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to figure out, like, how long had we actually Mm. been exposed to, we normal people with only ordinary television, how long did we know? I think of Rugrats as a later-on cartoon. So we're talking post-93, certainly. There's a defining line somewhere. I don't know where it is. It's probably, like, Turtles, honestly. There's cartoons from before Turtles and there's cartoons from after Turtles. Mm. Realistically, the the real actual defining line is like Batman and X-Men. That's when cartoons in the 90s changed right. their method of operation, the way they told stories. But those two abut one another, definitely, you know. But then, you know, no matter what way you slice it, yes, that makes Rugrats a cartoon from later on, from after the, the turning point. Cartoons in the 90s were good, you know. But comics from the 90s were good, too, so we should probably talk about them. <laughs> So, uh, Megadroid goes on, when you've checked out the action-packed conclusions to Sonic, Knuckles, and Decap, the Roller Badnik pinup, and the <laughs> the stonking Red Nose Zone. Oh, listeners, do I get to put the stonk on the podcast? Have I, have I not done it before? No, you have. You've done it before, yes. <laughs> That's why I, re- I don't remember it in real life. Oh, As really? well as, uh, no, not clearly. <laughs> But I, I do know, thanks to mm, us mm. talking about it on the podcast before, it being the uh, the novelty single from an earlier Red Nose Day. A few weeks ago, I made a surprise appearance at MAGFest. This was because uh, my friend Brent was doing a show, and I've got a song that I did with him years ago. So we had this idea. The, the premise of that video was that I call him in the middle of doing something and we do a song together so he thought well why don't you record you're phoning me and i'll make it interrupt my video on the stage and then we'll sing along uh, together and i i was just like okay where shall i do this because i've not made any videos in a little while so i set up my old lights and my old camera and i, I sat in my little corner over there in the bookcase where i sometimes make videos and i was just like oh what's around me is this appropriate i'm just making sure there's nothing really weird on the shelves or anything like that and it just whimsy took me and i just thought if I'm appearing at a high-populated American convention, the probably the weirdest thing I can do is if I have my copy of the Stonk on display. Well, you can play a fiddle with a lump of cheese Or make the Taj Mahal out of mushy beans Or microwave a pussycat for your tea But it's better, little baby, if you start with me Stick a red nose on your car And let's talk And now here's a 
not a single person. Or, best possible outcome, a single person in that audience would be watching that video and go like, is that the stunk? <laughs> <laughs> and no one else would have any idea. So I did. I propped that up neatly on the shelf behind me while I recorded that. So there you go. The stonk and me played together at <laughs> MAGFest the other week. <laughs> but we'll talk a bit more about Red Nose Day later amongst the various crimes STC will go on to commit <laughs> later this issue. But after we've checked out all that, we can yes. make a date in our diaries for the 19th of March 1997, the official on-sale date over STC 100. Oh, what? It can't be so. It can't be true. A hundred copies of this flipping comic. For the first time in STC's history, a sonic story of epic proportions. <gasps> the final victory starts in the uh, main sonic strip. What? Continues in the knuckle strip. Excuse me? Through to the Dr. Robotnik story. What? And finally ends uh, in Sonic's world. One big story? One big 22-page story. I've never heard of a comic 22 pages long. <laughs> and that's not all. There'll be another fabulous free gift, SDC transfers, and a circuit-blowing Sonic pinup. Whew. Whew. So get ready to celebrate in style with the Sega superstars. Believe me, the wit will be worth it. And they're not kidding. It was a good issue. <laughs> hey, well, you'll find out for yourselves you'll in two find weeks' out. time. UCAC97 is the box underneath, the little feature box. Meet the STC crew. Yeah, do you remember this? Uh, last year. Was it last year or was it two years Two ago? years gone now. They've Flip. done two of them, haven't they? Flippo Dippo. There's one in 95 and one in 96. And now another one coming in 97. Come along and meet the STC creators in the flesh. Brush up on your quickfire questions and request sketches from the likes of Nigel Dobbin, Richard Elson, Carl Flint, Nigel Kitching. Carl Flint, that's my man. Nigel <laughs> Kitching and Lou Stringer, to name but a few. What's more, everyone under 14 years of age will be admitted free. Oh. Mm. provided they're accompanied by an adult also admitted free but oh. not before the STC signing I'm confused that by that is confusing so adults and children can both attend free as long as they happen to know the brief window of time when that's the case that's kind of what it sounds like right mm. like the STC signing is free to all to attend but you can't go to anything else in the thing without a paying adult is what it sounds like yeah I think so but it's vaguely worded so you'd lurk around at the door and then all go in and you, ha and you could only go in when the signing started so you're never going to be front of the queue <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it great that that's three of these on the trot now yeah they're obviously doing well. That's just SDC still dominates. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? I never realised it was a regular thing. It was. Ooh. I thought they just did it once. And because it's confusing, they say Boomer's wanting further information can write mm. to UCAC. And they're going to say that again before the issue's out, because it is confusing. And there's a little photo there of somebody in a Sonic costume and a person. <laughs> Sonic, air quotes, meets one of his fans at UCAC yep. 96. Oh yeah, so they got UCAC 96, so there must have been one in 95 and one in 96, but I feel like they were held not at the same time of year. Mm. The in the Saturn chart, we have a momentous appearance. We won't go on about it because we've talked about it before, but at number six, we have a new entry, although we can't always believe it when they say it's a new entry. It's Doom, one of the biggest games of all time, still thought of as one of the pillars of gaming history, Doom. I never had a lot of regard for Doom as a kid, you know? No. I mean, I played it, you know? Mm. But the only place you could play it was on computers, and I didn't have a computer, so sometimes mm. we snuck a bit of it in the school computer lab. Ah, uh, yes. That was about it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I played it maybe once. That wasn't very good, actually. Around the friend's know? house. No. No, it was hard. It was a new kind of game. It was We were already too old for the new games. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's not a lot going on on the Mega Drive. Uh, the Disney collection's re-entered. Worms has re-entered, but in the last place. It's FIFA at the top. It's Sonic 3D in number two. That's great. Premium Manager 97, number three. Lion King, number four. Cool, all right. Here's the thing. Over on the Discord, Boomer Dan Ratcliffe, who we've talked to a lot recently and about a lot recently, has dug up the info that at this point... This this makes me want to vomit <laughs> in fear and confusion. <laughs> in fear and confusion. Vomit. At this point, there are only two remaining Mega Drive releases Ever. They are, and it's a gloomy outlook, FIFA 98, and um, this counts as a game, Jurassic Park Lost World. There's only one Mega Drive game <laughs> left to come out. Yeah, uh, uh, if you were to consult Wikipedia, it would tell you three, because it says FIFA mm. 97 came out in April 1997 in Europe, but here it is at the number one spot in the Mega Drive chart in March, so that can't be right. This is it. So that means, yes, October 97, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and an unspecified date in 97, but presumably October-November time, end of the year, FIFA 98. Those are the last two games due to come out on the Mega Drive. So, so the Mega Drive chart won't have anything new in it. No ever again basically and mega drives done listen listen uh-huh obviously yeah like just stopping even for a minute dave yeah just stop for a minute mm-hmm. and just think about it obviously it's 1997 the playstation's out obviously they're not making any more mega drive games that should not alarm me but here's the thing we're reading sonic the comic yeah that's it how are there no more mega drive games yeah does not compute. It genuinely is very interesting, thinking about industry and the way fans react to a franchise and the way kids react to things they like. It is interesting that this comic has lasted longer than the Sega Mega Drive. Like... Well, not longer... Well... Not end-to-end, no, it, but... It, it, in, not end-to-end, yeah. That's yeah it. Well, maybe end-to-end. In chronological order. May, well, maybe, yeah. Maybe by um, the time it's all said and done, maybe about the same length of time. But, but right now, the Mega Drive is on its way out, decidedly on its way out. It's nearly out. But this comic, it's still going, and it's going to go for years more. It's so weird, isn't it? Because there's a whole generation of kids who are actually the same generation as us, but just a few years younger, who just came into SDC a bit later, mm-hmm. who read it concurrent with the existence of the Saturn and the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. But there was no Sonic Yes. Game for those up until the very end. What were they reading it for? Well, Sonic's good and everybody loves him and you should read it just sure. because of that. You don't need games to read Sonic. But the entire identity of the comic thus and everything it was doing, everything it was working from building on mm-hmm. was the Mega Drive. Yeah. Never mind all the Sega Superstars stuff from, from before they stopped doing that as well for the earliest years. The whole world of Sonic that the comic lived in was the world of the Mega Drive games. Yes. And for the whole length of time that it existed and would go on to exist past the Mega Drive's end, Mm -hmm. it was still the Mega Drive because there was no new Sonic coming in to supplant it and to to reshape its world and have it be about that until literally the very last original story. Mm. That's why it's a Mega Drive comic in my head, even though almost fully half its life (laughs) does not coincide with the Mega Drive. I guess one way to look at it is that we're now in the era where the console's happening right now. PlayStation 
takes off, right? That's a given. But that is very much an older kid's console, I think. That's an older brother sort of console. I don't think it is. Yeah. I think it's just because we were older when we played it that we... True, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking of what's on it. It's all... also There's also the sort of, like, you wouldn't give a sticky finger child a CD. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. They'd get their fingerprints on it. Kind of, I do mean that. But also the things I think of as PlayStation games are like Tomb Raider and... Resident Evil. Yeah. But then Crash Bandicoot. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, Spyro. Oh, of course! Just as much kids stuff. Absolutely there. Okay, so forget that. But anyway... Um, but no, don't forget it. You're not wrong when you say it. It's, it's, it's illustrative of the way we think of the consoles because of our age and the way that they fail mm. in our lifetimes. But what is happening now is there is this wave of... And we've heard from people, we've had guests on, who were people who had older brothers, cousins, aunts and uncles who are themselves getting PlayStations going, well, I'll give this Mega Drive to the child in my family. Here you go. So there are all these kids who are getting their Sonics now, and I guess they're reading the comic reacting to that. He's in schools now. Like My school had a copy of Sonic 1 on a Mega Drive just sitting around in a, in a, in a room. It's a very educational game, Sonic. Very educational game. Teach you about the cobalt effect and <laughs> stuff like that. It's the sort of thing that's making its way into waiting rooms and like it's starting to seep in and be a... Just the thing that exists. It's not new. It's not exciting. It's just part of the world. Part of that world. Oh, and of course, as late as this, I'm sure the repeats of the cartoons are trickling in here and there, aren't they? Oh, oh surely, yeah. So it's just a thing. Kids know of this thing and they're buying a comic in the way that, you know, presumably now they'd be perfectly happy reading a SpongeBob comic. And that wasn't that was made ages ago. Well, they still make new Spongebob, do they? Jesus Christ, settle down. I know, yeah. The <laughs> bloke who made it died, so now they can beat the life from it endlessly. Oh, yes, I remember, yeah. Okay. Mind you, mind you, as much as the Mega Drive may be dying, and as much as the Saturn may have new doom, it's still nice to see a bit of life in the Game Gear with a new game, Man Overboard, in at number oh, 10 lovely, on the charts yeah, in the Game yeah. Gear. Isn't that nice to see, yeah. <laughs> Sonic! Doomsday, Part 3, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, colours by John Burns, and letters by Tom Frame. While Vector takes the Omniviewer to the Equinox Research Lab so its scientists can power him back up, Sonic and the rest of the Chaotix crew pursue Lord Sidewinder's gang and catch up to them just as Sidewinder's goons have begun to turn on him. After learning that their boss has gone loopy and thinks he can control Supersonic with only his mind. The heroes quickly trounce the villains, whereupon Omni arrives to bring news from Equinox. When the black asteroid explodes, it will create a disastrous electromagnetic pulse that will shut down every machine on Meridian. Thinking quickly, Sonic instructs Omni to teleport the asteroid to Mobius seconds before it explodes. And that's what all the build-up about Lord Sidewinder having this idea of how to control Supersonic. I don't know what I think about it. it will, will, they be, will there be more to it? Because, yeah, he just says... What does he say? When the asteroid explodes, I will call him to me with the power of my mind. And I sort of went... What? Oh, has he got something? Has he, has he set something up? Has he got a machine that enhances the power of his mind? But no, it, it, it might just be that he's gone bananas it's presented as being him having gone off the deep end yeah. which lightmare had said in the previous yeah. issue but right here is the interesting thing okay i done a research okay well done the original concept art for lord sidewinder by richard elson mm -hmm. looks basically the same as the finished artwork but it plays up his connection to snakes 
Oh. He has a little snake and a big snake. Mm-hmm. And there's little notes on the art that say, you know, the little one can sneak in places and the big one's a big enforcer, can crush enemies. And it says that Lord Sidewinder is nearly blind, but he has a connection to his snakes. He can oh. see through their eyes and can control their actions. Oh. And if people get close enough to them, he can use that power to exert a malign influence uh, over their minds. Snake hypnotism. I guess, something like that, yeah. And that never, ever, ever comes up, and it does feel like a completely dropped and abandoned concept, even though Lord Sidewinder is huh. usually fine with a few snakes at his feet. But it makes me wonder if this was an allusion to that, an intent to set up a later reveal of that that simply never happened. Yeah. Because it doesn't, you know. There's enough overlap between the concepts being seen here that it's hard to believe one has absolutely no relation to the other. But as presented by the story, it's like, <laughs> after four or five months of build-up, the payoff to Lord Sidewinder having a plan to control Supersonic is the power of my mind! David Blaine style. I'm controlling with the power of my mind. <laughs> so yeah, as a payoff to that, it's, uh, it's not the best, is it? Well, it hasn't finished. I mean, it has. It has. We'll see. Sidewinder's not in the next issue. What? Isn't he? No, the whole next issue is a whole other thing. That's it? That's the end of Lord Sidewinder? It's not the last time we ever see Lord Sidewinder, no. But this story, Doomsday, is now over. Huh. Um, actually then, yeah. Um, now... I do have a lot of time for, I've got a plan, and then it turns out, oh no, he hasn't, oh no, that that's an interesting story thing. But I didn't take this to be that conclusion, because it just, and, you know, they just have a punch-up and, and Lord Sidewinder and his gang are basically defeated and that's that. And not, not a knock on the art necessarily, but Lord Sidewinder doesn't look or indeed act any crazier than he ever normally sounds. Mm. I do not get the impression that the character has gone off the deep end here no i would agree with that i feel like we need at least a little bit more spit <laughs> to be flying from his mouth in the, in the parlance of comic book insanity okay to so fully illustrate that he's gone mental so what's really disappointing then as you uh, uh, about you telling me now that he's not in the next issue if that's the case because what this demands is for him to try it and be completely defeated by supersonic that's it that's it some kind of payoff in that regard but as far as I know, no, never. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, Yeah, that's it. Now hmm. that you've said that, that's what I really... I didn't have the words for it before, but yeah. The actual attempt at doing it and realising that it's nonsense that he's made up. Whereas we only ever hear about it. We never, we never see him attempt hmm. it. We only say, this is what I'm going to do. And they're like, well, that's terribly silly. Yeah. Because I would have liked either for either for him to try and do it and his followers be like, oh, I don't know about this, and then it go wrong. Or for them to wrestle him to the ground and be like, right, no, we've turned against Lord Sidewinder. He's obviously not got the handle on this. But instead what happens is just normal, like Sonic turns up and there's a fight. Well, Mr. Fry almost does something, you know? Yeah, but he's just kind of being clumsy. He just sort of tries to hit Sonic and gets Sidewinder instead, doesn't he? Well, no, he, that panel there after when the asteroid explodes, it does look like Fry is, oh. is, is making a move for him, you know. Uh, Biohazard's like, you're a loony, Sidewinder, that explosion's gonna kill us all. And Lightmare whips out the finger and says, you stay in line over there. 
But Mr. Fryer's like, you keep out of this light, man. Nobody's going to get me killed if I can help it. And he's got a fist up and everything. But then Sonic shows up. Oh, okay. I guess I took that as just an action pose fist rather than I'm punching Lord Sidewinder now. It's sometimes it's hard to tell with Richard Elson. God love him. And we do love Richard Elson. But sometimes sometimes the poses that he puts characters in when he doesn't know what else to be doing with them do have the big fist up twisty body as if they were a pose of action whenever they're not really doing anything. And, but you can see Sidewinder sort of turning away from Fry as well. Yeah, no, that, that, that he's supposed to be going for him. Oh, I didn't realise that. I thought he was maybe just striding along or running or something. Because what happens mm. is he does basically seem to slap Lord Sidewinder out of the way, but it's in trying to get Sonic, who shows up now. Yes. And initiates yes, yes. a normal fight between the Sidewinder gang and the Chaotix gang that just ends normally with the goodies win. You know, not, not in a big final way. They're just like the baddies are just sort of on the ground having been duffed up a bit yeah yeah the sidewinder is sent flying into lightmare sonic does an old spinning top bit with mr fry and mighty clobbers biohazard all in panel boom 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 one two three four and that's it baddies in a big steaming pile on the ground done and dusted because they're not they're not anybody's concern Mm, yeah there's something much more important needs to be dealt with and of course i approve of supersonic being the real thing but uh yeah sure. that would have been they would have been nice to see supersonic finish them off we've skipped quite a bit uh we've skipped i mean on page one we've skipped the cross fish <laughs> yes i mean i love this first panel of the strip which is sonic and the chaotics in their flying space bumper car following lord sidewinder into space and the whole of space is hey remember how this is the special zone yeah so we get a, a fish flying in space because that's something from the Sonic 1 special yeah. thing. And cubes and lights. And look, is that on just hiding under the title bar? Is that the Blue Sphere checker ball? Oh, uh... Oh, could it be? It's certainly a checkered planet poking through a sort of yeah. beam of light with a hole in it, isn't it? By the way, you'll like this. Uh, in the script, the description of this panel, establishing shot of Sonic SBO Charmy being mighty in... The Fantasticar equivalent. Ah! I was right! I was so right! I'm always right! (laughs) That's why I said he'd like it, because he's right. (laughs) It then says they are flying in the space region of the special zone. (laughs) So We've often wondered about (laughs) what the delineation between bits of special zone are. I mean, there's a space region of Earth, yeah, we, too. we've got it's a space region space. in this universe as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then we spend two pages, yeah, in the Equinox facility, uh, which is oh. all manned by crocodiles. Look at these boffodiles! <laughs> <laughs> Croco-boffins! They're all and dressed I, I like them. I like them, but why don't they look a bit more like Vector? They do look like Vector. Uh-huh. But it's interesting that he gets so close. Uh-huh. And then just slips at the last hurdle, which would make them full and proper Sonic character crocodiles. <laughs> which is, by giving them big, large, yellow stubbles. Uh-huh. Which they do not have. Otherwise, they're right there. They're right up against it. And they don't seem quite as triangular as Vector. No, although they are wearing lab coats. And I realise that way does lie Campenders as knuckles in yeah. many different hats. Yeah. But it's a thing about Sonic characters. It's a problem. No, but when... Yes, that's... Did you know? Yes, that's the balance that... And we've bumped against it so many times that all Sonic the comic artists are, are constantly up against, which is like, do I... If I'm drawing another hedgehog, do I draw it like Sonic or like a hedgehog? Because Sonic's not like a hedgehog. And um, Vector is quite a lot more like a crocodile than Sonic's like a hedgehog. And it does... Yes, that's true. There is something a bit odd about how, yes, we're in a room of crocodiles and... The, the the base model for crocodile isn't vector um being cop and it's not massively different as i no. said it's just it's just the muzzle 
and he's not quite as triangular, and their hips do seem to be located on a different part of their body. Like they, <laughs> they're, they're mostly wearing lab coats again, mm. but Vector is a long, tapered triangle. Yes. And the legs just sort of poke out the side of the point of the triangle. Whereas these guys have human bodies with crocodile heads. It's that if you were to describe the difference between Sonic characters and like other normal characters in things, in the simplest terms, it's that Sonic characters are very shape-based and iconic looking. Whereas yep, what we yep. have here is some scientists with the heads of crocodiles. Real crocodiles uh, as well, like cartoon ones, but not vectors. Crocodiles. But then the thing about Vector is he is much closer to being human shaped mm. than any average Sonic character. Because he's actually tall and yeah. thin instead of two circles stacked on top of each other. So the distinction between the two here on this page is much Less so than Sonic and that family of hedgehogs yes. from that issue a few issues ago. You're right about it's the hips. As soon as you want a character to be wearing trousers, they can't have two little pipes coming out of an arbitrary point on their body anymore. They have to be the shape of a human. And these guys are lab coat. These are kinterbores. They've got hairdos. Well, they've got a few strands. Oh no, that one does have. Yeah, a look at the lady one over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. there's the lady one in the background. See too. that? Yeah. Oh, right enough. Right enough. Right enough. Right enough. Most of them are bald. So it's not like Vector's the one bald crocodile. Well, obviously, they're they're scientists. I mean... And and Vector's kind of scientist isn't he? He's technologically a bit. A little bit. Yeah. Not sort of. No, didn't we? Vector is the, the leader. Knack the weasel was the technical yeah. guy. Wasn't it that I found that written down somewhere and went, I'm not sure about that, but okay. Yes, I feel like that was the discussion. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Or we might have said he was. And well, it's because he because he has his little thing. He can. He went and fixed that. He fixed that gun. laser thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I maybe was contested it. the point at yeah. the time. I don't remember. So we've seen him do something vaguely technical, <laughs> and this research facility is entirely staffed with. Cro I mean, it feels like there's a st an untold story here. Yeah, yeah, you I know, really... Uh, he takes the Omniviewer to this facility well, this is says, the thing. I really appreciate your help. And they say, we owe you, it's the least we could do. Owe him for what, exactly? I mean, there's the general saving the planet, yeah, heroic maybe. stuff chaotics do. Maybe that's it. But it does still feel like there's a story untold here. I know, I know. He left the crocodile scientist's place to go, and he's now funneling money from the queen of the bees into their science facility. That's what it I is. I would have thought it'd be maybe like the other way around. Maybe these guys are the secret funders of chaotics. Oh, maybe. And then it's slightly ambiguous how they do it, but they basically large hadron collide omniviewer back to life. Yeah, well, they <laughs> plug him into something and power him up. Yeah, and uh, with that little boost, what we, what we see is Omni returning mm. from his brief trip into the knuckle strip last issue. Yes, that's right. But he does it in this thing. Look, in this pipe. This this machinery they've got and it's as if that's what powers him back up right well it's in but it's like yeah in between two electrodes let's call them you mm. know he's in between two things and that they've given him a slight test power up to give him uh, enough energy to do that and now they're gonna power him up the rest of the way and then anyway this other uh, scientist comes up and gives the news about the electromagnetic pulse explains for the kids at home what an electromagnetic pulse is mm -hmm. and uh you know, Vector's like, oh, it'll be a nuisance, but the guy has to explain, no, no, hospitals will shut down, uh, planes are going to fall out of the air, it's, it's going to be pretty bad, actually. Yes. I love that. That the, This, of course, was where I learned about the concept of an EMP. This was it. I didn't know about this yet. Uh, I wonder if I'd heard of it before. Yeah. 
I would certainly have encountered it in some cartoons around this time. Yes. But I wonder if this was where I would have first heard about it. Is, is there a significant yeah. EMP in uh, Transformers? In my or? life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nothing I can think of offhand. You'd think they'd go straight to those in Transformers, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, but they're generally protected against that sort of thing. Oh, uh, okay. Where would I have first encountered them? I can't think. It's one of those things where I feel like I just always know what it was. Mm. I can't. I can't pinpoint oh, learning it. It's definitely here for me. And so reading that panel, I'm like, oh, oh, that would be bad if that happened. What? Everything? Oh, yeah, I don't. It's because I hadn't figured out that computers are at the heart of all society yet, because that was only relatively recent. <laughs> well, it is only '97. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, they were like, I'd be annoyed if my computer stopped working forever, but I didn't realize it'd be hospitals and stuff. You don't think about how the world economy will collapse. No, the banking system will fail. Isn't that that feels sort of like? 1980s cartoon series overly interested in infrastructure <laughs> it's one of the things when i watch old cartoons it's like oh I, I wasn't interested in the stuff you're talking about right now i just went oh bad guy good guy but anyway, then we have the uh, showdown between sonic and uh, sidewinder we do stuff, indeed which we discussed up at the top because it's the most interesting the, part of the, the bit. issue yeah and then there's Omni cutting around. By the way, I feel like Omni's looking a bit harder this issue, you know? Good solid edges of his frame. Just we, we, He's been all droopy the last couple of issues. Well, that's right, but it's the face I'm thinking of. Like, I don't know if he's had a gentler face for a while or something, but that face of his is looking very grimacing Cape Comic Hardman again this issue. Well, I feel like uh, he's not been in a situation of any great gravity uh, so yes. the last couple of times we saw him. You know, I mean, yes, that, that he has been, but he's been able to do jokes and stuff. But here it's like, the world's gonna end. So he's got a serious face on him. But yeah, then Vector and Omni teleport in up to space with Sonic and the rest, uh, and he fills them in about the electromagnetic pulse and about how Dr. Robotnik's captured the Emerald Hill folk over in the Knuckle Strip, and the black asteroid's about to explode. But Sonic's like, get me to the floating island now! But I, I, I can't leave the special zone at the mercy of Supersonic. W what do I do? He thinks for a minute. And then he has Omniviewer teleport the asteroid over Mobius. Yes. Right through the screen. Yeah. And they watch on the screen as the asteroid explodes. Yeah. To be continued in next issue's special full-length story, Ooh. The Final Victory. And if you're a little one, if you're a, if you're a kid, or indeed a nearly 15-year-old Dave, and you're reading this, it's like a real, what? What has Sonic done? He sent the supersonic exploding asteroid thing that's going to cause havoc across a planet to our planet to mobius the planet mobius it's a little bit clearer what the, what the decision is there when you're an adult reading it when you're an adult and you think yeah who owns all the computers on yeah. Mobius? yeah <laughs> like there aren't any hospitals that's the thing for a moment there i sat there going but we saw but what about that hospital we you saw just talked about hospitals and planes and the banking and i'm like yeah. Robotnik's not... No, yeah. no, that's not happening on Mobius. There's no socialised medicine on Mobius. Because I was thinking, but we, we didn't we just a couple of issues ago see that hospital with those kids in it? And then you go, oh wait, that was on Meridian, wasn't it? That was Chaotix going yeah, there. Was. I mean, like, presumably there must be civilian facilities, like rebel stuff, and but they can't be computer-operated, really, can they? Imagine how sad Porker's little face is going to be when all of his cool stuff breaks. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have much cool stuff at the time. Well, he had the... Kinterbor. No, that, that's they're that's gonna the kill Kinterbor. What about Kinterbor? Yeah, yeah. How's he gonna handle that? Oh no! And 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 yeah. short fuse. <gasps> oh ho! Oh dear! He's just gonna be imprisoned. And I think these are stories. I think yeah. these are addressed issues. Sweet, but we gotta wait. 
Oh, this is really exciting. Yeah. This is a really good build-up. Because that because what it's got that some cliffhangers don't is before the cliffhanger, there was a cliffhanger. It wasn't just, oh no, it's exploding over Mobius. What will happen next issue? No, Sonic is presented with all this stuff. You've got to do this. And you've got to do this. The floating up, you know, I've got to go to the floating island now because of what's going on with the Emerald Hill folk. No, I can't because I also owe it to the people of Meridian not to get all supersonic. But I can't because, but I can't. Yeah, it's like the electromagnetic pulse is a big concern, but don't forget what's causing it, guys. Mm. The dude who hasn't yet appeared on panel in this three-part story that is about the threat he poses. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> yeah, this is good. But the action and adventure continues right over the page in... What? Knuckles. Victims, part three. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, and letters by Elita Fell. Knuckles breaks his bonds and fights his way through Zachary's robots to get to Dr. Robotnik before he can push the switch that will permanently fuse the Emerald Hill folk into a biological computer. Alas, a blast from Zachary fells him at the final hurdle! But before Robotnik can push the fateful button, the exploding black asteroid appears in the sky! How much did you lose oh, your Jesus. mind as a kid yeah. to discover the sonic cliffhanger yeah. then happening in the Knuckles cliffhanger? Yeah. It's like someone stepping through the page to the next strip. It's amazing. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, listen <laughs> because it's unfortunate that that's really the only thing there is to talk about in this particular Knuckles story because kind of. it's just a fight sequence of Robotnik warming up multiple switches yeah. <laughs> while Zachary explains where these other robots have come from just to meet the requirement for dialogue in the fight sequence yes I was a little less impressed by the resolution of this cliffhanger which is that we've previously established that you put these people in these dome things, and, and that's them trapped. And we open, in fact, on Knuckles in the thing, installed in, thinking to himself, time's running out, I've got to escape somehow before it's too late. Oh, I know, violence. Yeah, I know, I'll just escape. And he just <laughs> does. I'll go, I'll go out of this, and he does. Yeah, and, uh, he just smashes his way out. Yeah, nothing, yeah. It's, now, it's nice to... The, the, it's nice to imagine that what he did was he nutted it because the panel, of him, <laughs> the panel of him escaping is he's going very much nose first out through an explosion of green glass that was the dome going over his head and he just kind of violences from then on doesn't he he violences the controls if there is a singular sonic character who would be inclined to fix hmm. things by headbutting them that's I right yeah it is knuckles. um and uh, that's, yeah and nobody else has thought to do it but then right now there is actually okay Knuckles' design does make him look, do you agree with this, as if he probably has the hardest head out of anyone in Sonic? It's that big sloping brow, <laughs> yeah? It's a big, it's like it's a big flat area he could really cadang yeah. you with. Yeah. yeah, oh, except maybe Mighty. But yeah, if he nuts you... Well, he's got a literal armadillo shell, so yeah. That's cheating. Yeah. But he, he's he's definitely a fists kind of guy, yeah. I feel like. I don't know what it is. I feel like Knuckles would be more likely to headbutt you than Mighty would be. I don't know why. And if he does, it's going to hurt. So he smashes his way out of this thing, and then his fist goes straight into the first switch Robotnik was warming up. So that's that's dead now. And then Robotnik's like, But don't worry, there's another. I've got another switch, yeah. Got a backup switch. I've literally... I am surrounded with switches all the time, Knuckles. Don't you worry about that. You think you've stopped me, but you're wrong. Did you really think I wouldn't have a backup control panel? And he pushes a button, and a second control panel just... Whoop. 
side of the wall. Oh yeah, it comes down like the you know the middle bit in the back seat of a car that's an armrest when yeah. you pull it down, like a motel bed just <laughs> yeah. down out of the wall. <laughs> and while he uh, warms that switch up, as he was previously doing with the other one, Knuckles just yep spends a couple of pages fighting Zachary's robots, while Zachary just uh, plugs the continuity gaps. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I realized after our uh, first Patreon live stream there, shortly before we recorded this episode, where that? we were talking about how Tony Jay and Tim Curry and David Warner were in every nineties mm-hmm. cartoon? David Warner would absolutely have played Doctor <gasps> Zachary in the SCC oh. cartoon. Oh, he'd have killed it, yeah. I suppose you're wondering where I got the robots from. <laughs> well, it did cross my mind. Don't forget, Knuckles, I am one of your race. An echidna like you. Yeah, what about it? Well, there are things even I know about the floating island that you don't know. Oh, you do, huh? And he's like, wow, you just you just padding out the panels here, honestly. You could have just jumped to the explanation, but it had to be like, no, no, don't forget, I'm an echidna. Well, uh, yeah, I hadn't. Well, no. now, that makes sense to me, because what we have is a, a sort of a soft try at what next issue is going to be. An ongoing story that spreads for not all, but a lot of the issue. The first 12 pages of which is all Nigel Kitching. So he just gets to settle down a bit. He gets to not cram everything into short amounts of space like normally the job would be. And so he gets to kick back and talk and have some characters exposits. Why not? This does feel like one or two panels worth of exposition spread out over a full page, though. Well, but then have you read comics recently? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, when you say recently, you mean about 15 years ago. I do! (laughs) Uh, so yeah, it turns out I had previously guessed that perhaps Robotnik had simply mass-produced the robot off the wreckage of the previous one, but nope, Zachary simply says he knows where the Floating Island's Guardian robots are stored. So he had gone and got them and installed a little software of his own to make them his unstoppable slaves. I keep waiting. I uh, There's a part of me that cannot accept that Dr. Zachary is just one of the echidnas. I always keep thinking it'll turn out he's... I don't know, Metamorphia or something. It'll turn <laughs> out he's something. And so whenever he goes like, yeah, no, I know about the systems, I'm like, so what? Tell me then. You've also been on the... F- what? Where's he been? Has he been on the floating island this whole time? Like, Well, just because he knows where the Guardian robots are stored. I mean, because he had to steal that one in the first place, didn't mm. he? Yeah. I just, I mean, I, I do, have I forgotten, or do we not know, what is going on with Dr. Z- Who is he? We do not, and we never will, for, no. you know, maybe there'll be a, an apprehending Dr. Zachary moment next issue, mm. but the sad thing is, that's it. Dr. Zachary will then not reappear in STC. Oh, he has wow. these two stories, and that's it. Wow. As much as we think of Dr. Zachary as being one of the key mm. STC additions to the world of Knuckles and the Echidnas, these two stories, and that's it. Cool. So we'll never, ever find out what the deal with Dr. Zachary was, where he was, mm. what any of it was about. Mm. Which is a tremendous shame. Well, we'll have to ask if Nigel had anything in mind this whole time. He probably did, right? Yeah, I think you'd have... Well, it's entirely possible that he might have set it as a challenge to himself, like, oh, here's the idea, let's run with it, see where I go. But Oh, sure, I mean, you could definitely imagine just coming up with that and not necessarily having an answer planned out of the gate. Cause, no. You know, it's, it's an obvious thing to do when confronted with the idea of a mysterious lost race of which only one survives. Have them meet another of their race. And they're bad. And they're bad, yeah. I feel like a million cartoons did that, yet I can't give you a single example of one now. <laughs> I suppose Doctor Who did that, didn't it? For instance, sure. But while he's monologuing, you know, Knuckles 
jumps over the robots and gets on his way. (laughs) (laughs) Monologuing with his back turned to Knuckles, his arms spread dramatically, gesturing at his robot (laughs) children all around him. And then he turns around and goes, Oh, he broke free! Stop him, you stupid robots! Yeah, you can just see Knuckles essentially sodding off in the background. Just <laughs> hand on the forehead of one of the robots and using it to just vault over their grabbing limbs. <laughs> I um, I did misread what happens on the final page, which is that Robotnik's still monologuing and Knuckles yes. suddenly leaps towards him, fists out. Oh, a lovely panel of him leaping at him oh, to a big, God, huge, yeah. white speed contrail of him lunging towards him. Yeah. That just Forms into Knuckles' head and fist at the front of it, yeah. Yeah, he's like he looks like a comet, doesn't he? He's just the front of this big yeah. line of movement. Um, but then I thought he basically, like, cracks off Robotnik's head. It looks for <laughs> all the off world his head. like he has bashed off Robotnik's head. There's What happens is there's a shrack noise and a sort of starburst effect, uh, which sends Knuckles sprawling, but the starburst effect is centred around, around the Robotnik's head. Robotnik's head. <laughs> What has happened is that Zachary has blasted him with his yes. arm gun, um, but they probably should have coloured the energy beam something other than white. Oh, that's an energy beam! I thought it was Knuckles' movement trail. That's exactly it, because it's the same colour as the movement trail. It's, it, that's why you mm. think yeah. that he has uh, just bounced off Robotnik's head, because it looks like the same white trail from the previous panel, interrupted mm. by a collision, not a beam of energy that should be a different colour, yeah. intersecting with it. A, a rare miss from Dobbin. Mm-hmm. Oh well. I mean, it's explained in the next panel, so you quickly figure it out, but yeah, for yes, that moment. Zachary's there, gun arms. But yes, that was exactly the first thing I thought when I saw the panel too. Yeah. For a brief moment, you think that Dr. Robotnik's pointy head is stronger than all of Knuckles. Yeah, just <laughs> plashed right off it. <laughs> no more delays. The Emerald Hill folk are doomed. Look, up in the sky. And there it is. The Black Asteroid. Next issue, the adventure continues in our special 100th oh issue full-length adventure. Do not miss it. Jesus, don't. Listeners. Don't miss it. You can't understand how exciting this was. It's, yeah, even now, honestly, yeah. You probably can. I reckon we've got you to where you probably can. We've talked in previous issues about the sheer thrill of even the little bits of story mm. overlap that we've seen yeah. when the Marxio brothers ring up Grimer in one strip yes. and he's answering it on another strip. Yeah, And then to have this everything colliding to this point now yeah. it's really only like in the last issue that the knuckle strip got brought because like we've had a good run of stories now where the whole conceit of the sonics world strip has been this is what the freedom fighters have to do without sonic while he's mm. in the special zone but then last issue was like well robotnik's on the floating island over in the knuckle strip so it's just this last one of like three issues or so up to 100 where it all comes together Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Dave, can I invite you to come on and slam? <laughs> Will you come on and slam? Will you forever come on and slam with me, Dave? <laughs> no, I, I won't. It looks too much like sports for me. I'm afraid, Chris. <laughs> this is an ad for Space Jam trophies giving away free and packs of Kellogg's cereals. Oh, oh, you know what this is? This is a stealth Frosty's X something else advert, isn't it? Yes. Frosties, Cocoa Pops, Ricicles, Honey Nut Loops, and what in <laughs> sh- Christ are Choco Flakes? I mean, it explains itself, isn't it's it, right uh, there? Yes, but... They're cornflakes with chocolate on, but what? Who allowed this? <laughs> you care? That's a dangerously American proposition of a cereal. 
<laughs> yeah. Chocolate cornflakes. Yeah, it doesn't strike me as something that lasted very long. I don't remember these, really. I wouldn't be surprised if it still, still existed now. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I've just... It certainly was not something you got in the little late variety packs. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if it was. And we're just <laughs> <laughs> I never read them. But, uh, yeah, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I've never been a man for the whole concept of chocolate and breakfast cereals. Chocolate and fruit. Fruit breakfast cereals are simply not a thing over here, but Americans are mad. Americans love to have a bowl of sweets for breakfast, fundamentally. Yes. Uh, but even Frosties <laughs> are too sugary for me now. A nice, yeah, oh, same, yeah. unadorned cornflake is all I need in the morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I will spend the rest of my life Knowing I want to eat ricicles again, and knowing I wouldn't like them if I did. Oh, I would... I would die if I ate a ricicle now. It would be too much for me. One ricicle. A solitary ricicle mixed in with my Rice Krispies. I would know. It would be the, It would be like, you know, Russian roulette taking spoonfuls of Rice Krispies. The solitary ricicle mixed in there that would absolutely do for me. Chris McFeely eating a bowl of Rice Krispies with one ricicle in it is the opening scene of the third Knives Out. <laughs> Who put that one ricicle in there? I thought you were going to say I could just live stream it, you know. Also, they don't make ricicles anymore. That's what I mean. I'm going to spend the rest of my life knowing I want to eat them and that I wouldn't like them if I ate them. Of course I wouldn't enjoy it now. They're sugary. I like sugary things, but that's different. <laughs> I mean, I can still eat a Rice crispy, which is sugarier than a cornflake. I can't really eat a Rice crispy. I They're not sugary enough for me. I see... You're right, but cornflakes have the right balance of flavours for me. I'm like, yes, this is Moorish. I want to eat the... Oh, no, Chris, you've done it. I want to eat some cornflakes. <laughs> it's happened. Yeah, we get a, get a live stream of that. Yeah, <laughs> A nice sort of Saturday morning cereal and cartoons live stream going with STCTV. Oh. Get up an old episode of Live and Kicking with a Rugrats yeah. in. Um, <laughs> uh, what if we did? Uh, what if we, we did do that? Cornflakes and Rice Krispies for like half an hour on Saturday morning some week. This is a solid idea. We should do this. This is actually a tremendous idea. <laughs> Everybody listening to this would come and watch that and they'd enjoy it. Some week we're not recording on a Saturday, which is every bloody Saturday this month. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But what the actual thing they're advertising here is that if you get any of these cereals, including the one interloper we don't recognise, <laughs> and he's going to be struck off the record, um, you get a trophy featuring a star of the great Space Jam movie. And, and what they are is it's a, you know, a Blue Peter badge-shaped trophy. Yeah, a little shield, yeah. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for, thank you. Shield and <laughs> Blue Peter badge. <laughs> And then inset in them, and you get the impression they're quite small. Yeah. And inset in well, the you middle. you can imagine them. I think they'd probably be, this will be a great audio media method. Okay. I imagine they'd be about that big. Yay big. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're going to be half the height of a mug, I'm going to say, about like that. Uh, yeah, I think they could be a little taller, but yeah. I mean, I, Maybe. These, these put me in mind of, I can't remember ever having any of these. I, can't, mm -hmm. I won't rule no, out that I no. ever did but I can't remember having any of them. But yeah. I'm reminded of the uh, little busts of Star Wars figures that they made yeah. uh, for when The Phantom Menace came out and imagining yeah. that sort of size. Yeah, That'll be soon. Uh, yes, that'll uh, just a couple of years away. <laughs> but inset in these shields yes. is a plastic coin with an embossed illustration of a character on it. And they're all gold or silver. Gold ones have Looney Tunes in them. Silver ones have the Monstars in them. The oh. baddie aliens from the, uh, the film. I didn't recognise that it was that delineated, but it is, you're right, yes. Best and second best. Bugs, Daffy, Taz, Sylvester and Tweedy, and Foghorn Leghorn, randomly. Mm. I guess he was... What, well, wait, no! Where's Lola? Oh! 
answer was missing. Yeah, Lola, I knew somebody felt like they was missing. Well, you know the answer to this very well. She was the girl one and therefore does not get the merchandise. But she was like the selling point of that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Not Michael Jordan, you understand. The, the sexy girl no, God, was no. the selling point of the film. It, it is odd, isn't it? Yeah. That is a glaring omission. Yeah. And then the other ones are the monsters who I will guarantee you have names. <laughs> yeah. But I'm yeah. but I'm not. Never seen it. Not interested. I can't understand how you haven't seen it. It was like the only Looney Tunes experience to be had at this point mm. in life. Oh, I didn't need it. Because they did a sport. Yeah, this was the point at which it was like, oh, oh, it's a sports cartoon now. Well, no then. Don't care then. It's so not a sports <laughs> cartoon. But okay. I mean, because they've had at least one more film since... And who cares about Looney Tunes back in action? The very fact mm. that film was called Looney Tunes back in action, mm. as if to highlight how long they'd been away. Yeah. And who knows when that film came out? I'm not looking up any dates. No, who cares? <laughs> Don't know. Collect your own Space Jam trophies free inside special Kellogg's pack. Check out packs of Kellogg's Frosties, Cocoa Pops, Ricicles, Choco Flakes, and Honey Nut Loops, and you'll find inside one of ten exclusive trophies. Each trophy features a star of the Great Space Jam movie, as opposed to the Great Space Jam book. <laughs> there are the favourite Looney Tunes characters, including Bugs, Daffy, and Taz, and the alien Monstars that battled in the all-or-nothing basketball game. So open a special Kellogg's pack now, and be among the first to get all ten. Look at them now. Look at there's Bugs Bunny dressed up. It's exactly the same as Tony the Tiger when he's playing football or whatever. I'm just like, oh, stop. <laughs> you never turned on Tony for doing extreme sports. No, true. That's different. Extreme sports is different than sports. Yeah, it's got an X in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, if Space Jam was about a load of, I don't know, hang gliding or something, that might be different, but it's basketball, so I don't care. It's not a good film anyway. It doesn't matter. Like, no. I'm still just amazed you haven't seen it. Is all. Yeah. Do you know what? And actually, as I said it, I've always thought of myself as someone who hasn't seen Space Jam, but I have the vague sense that we may have borrowed the video out. You must out. have seen it at some point. We may have borrowed the VHS out of the library at some stage. Now, whether I then sat in front of that VHS, I can't tell you. But uh, mm, or, or maybe I only think that because it was available. I don't know. You should continue to not watch it, honestly. This I is can't it. recommend it. It's not good. No, that's the thing. It's obviously not. Look it at just it. came out in 1997, so a lot of people say it was good. Look at it. It's it's a It's a... It's a that basketball man film, and it's got Bugs Bunny in it to prop up his ego and brand. I don't care. And it's legacy of whatever quality it did contain. Because don't forget, this was a film with Bill Murray and Wayne Knight in it as it? well. Very funny actors, you yeah. know. Uh, then they made the terrible sequel, because it was the last thing anybody remembers the Looney Tunes doing. Mm. I, I, I think... I don't know if Space Jam did kill the Looney Tunes or not, but it certainly was the last famous thing yeah. that any of them did. And then the, the, we got Space Jam 2, which was the most cynical exercise in a, in a company promoting its IP library. Since that, Space Jam. Yet. That has yet come to be. <laughs> because, believe me, I think we can still sink lower in the 2020s. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mind you, it's hard to sink much lower than... <laughs> I finally got the segue. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the worst one yet, Dave. It has to be. It's a badnik pinup with a piece of prefab badnik art by Ferran Rodriguez. But what they've done this time, what they've done with it, 
is without artistry. No, like you you were pretty sour on the motobug pinup yeah. for just being three of them in a row. Mm. But at least it was one was far away and one was real close. <laughs> That's the thing. This is literally just the same picture printed three times at the same orientation, size, everything in a in a straight horizontal line, the end. That's that's it. There's nothing yeah. there's nothing apart from the original picture, you know, which is done by an artist. There's no creative eye used in the production of this poster at all. Well, next issue we get a Sonic pinup, we've been told. D- so You took that to mean a Sonic pinup. I, I look forward to it, but I'll remain sceptical. They said a circuit-blowing Sonic pinup. That's what okay. Megadroid promised me. Are okay. you implying Megadroid would ever be untruthful? No, d- mo- no. I suppose what I'm more saying is that Rollerbadniks are from Sonic, you know? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I know what the pinup's going to be because I've seen the back page of this issue. But we'll get there when we get there. Okay, that, right, okay. Yeah. Back of the pinup is just the uh, jellyful world of the shreds hanging out in the pool again. I think we've talked enough about marmalade for now. <laughs> As promised from earlier in the episode, here is Sonic the Comic, the podcasts look into. Basically, this was the point at which me and Chris had stopped doing a podcast and were just talking to each other. So here is our deep dive into stuff we remember about Saturday morning telly. A, two, three, and... Live and kicking, I'm sure we've talked about it on the show multiple times before. They'll have had the general idea of it before, yes. But it was the Saturday stream of children's uh, entertainment on uh, yes. CBBC. If you are an American, if you're an artist, the way our Saturday mornings worked, far fewer actual cartoons than you guys had, but it was all curated by this group of fond and familiar presenters who were there all morning in a big studio full of kids sitting all up and down staircases and everywhere, and they would have celebrities in, and kids could phone in and ask them questions, and they would have Music bands and on, yeah. and games, and that. all sorts of things. James Rudge uh, wrote in from Edmonton. My neighbour uh, down my old road also watches Live and Kicking every Saturday, and that was ever since it started. And he's 98 years old. And and, and he was one of the survivors of the Titanic. How about yeah. that? Amazing. There we go. Okay, uh, this comes from Jonathan Watts, who's nine from Oxfordshire in Wantage, and. Uh, he says, my mum works in an old people's home. There are three people that watch Live and Kicking every morning. One of them is 88, one of them is 96. The oldest is 102. Yeah. One more, one more, on. one more, one more. You one can't more. beat 102. Okay, from Merseyside, we have a letter from Kim who says, our eldest resident in our home who watches Live and Kicking is called Daisy, and she is 106. Yeah. And they should have just had more cartoons. They, yes. I'm not down on live and kicking and going alive and ghost train and what's up mm. doc and all those other mm. shows and on the water especially what's up doc that didn't need more content what's up doc was its own content well we would have different opinions about precisely which one but it truly to me it wasn't until smtv and in your oh. case stick and dome in the bungalow yes where the actual no, I, no i enjoyed smtv as well yeah where the actual stuff actually became as or indeed probably more enjoyable to watch than the cartoons I would say it was What's Up, Doc. Welcome back to Saturday Mornings. This is live. This is What's Up, Doc. Shiver me timbers! Gonna crane. Yes, Captain. You better go to the poop deck. Thank you, but I've just been. Well, you can go again. I order you to get off. 
I beg your pardon? Oh, he doesn't know he's off from his elbow. It's at the rear, Admiral. Bit of seafaring humor there. <laughs> All right, very well, but give us a go, your telescope. All right. Keep watch. <laughs> right, you, you lazy wench. Who, me? Yes, you, swab the decks. I will not. I happen to be an extremely famous and talented TV presenter. I am not a swabber. And besides, there is no mop. Oh, will you just give me a moment? <laughs> Open wide, bad dad. Oh, 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 I say! Oh, I'm man after my own heart. I've suddenly come over all feminine. Oh, here you go. Now, about it, don't struggle. Don't struggle. In you go! In the water! Now, did you get a swamp A vast behind! You took the words right out of my mouth. I heard that! No, Captain! Tis land. A, a small, sparsely populated island off the southeast coast of Australia. That'll be Tasmania! <laughs> But the problem with What's Up Doc is that it started good and then they had to axe all of the good stuff. Like, What's Up Doc was a surrealist sketch show that had a couple of cartoons involved as well. You're Colin, are you? No. So who are you then? Colin. Don't pick your nose, Colin. There's nothing wrong with me, Andy. That's for the doctor to decide, Colin. Yes, don't worry, Mr. Quain. We'll soon have him white as Wayne. Uh, Colin, just relax what? and we'll try a few simple tests. Oh, that's Now, relaxed. look at this picture and tell me the first thing that comes into your mind. The other specialist tried that one, Doctor. Uh, what about the second? No, 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 that's even worse, I'm afraid. All right, we'll try a more physical approach. Hop up on the desk here, Colin, and we'll check your reflexes. <laughs> Well, normally in this sort of situation, I'd recommend a glass of hot milk at bedtime, a quarter of humbugs, and uh, plenty of yeah. patience. But in this case... Oh! Take him outside and flog him to within an inch of his life. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. May I join you? I'll be my guest. Tasmania! Mate, it was hosted by Pat Sharp. It wasn't that surrealist, you know? That was where the surrealism came from. They had these... Pat this... Sharp and Yvette Fielding. You expect them to be real squares? And then they had this guy... <laughs> we want some, want some... Abby was a big fan and I didn't appreciate it at the time, but she was like, Dave, watch this one. Right, uh, time on WhatsApp Look now for a bit of casting, I think. Time for ta Tasmania. Uh, no, I haven't. I'm sorry. Who are you? Uh, just Andy. Just work here, mate. Just, just do my job. I shall body twist it from you. <laughs> Get off. Chinese bird. Get off. Oh, oh, look at me. Look at me. Oh, regard my fine waistcoat of roast beef. It's so busy. Busy. It's so Daisy! Daisy! It's honestly, it is the weirdest, most surreal. You've got, and imagine, Andy Crane stood there. It was Andy Crane, wasn't it? I wanted to say Andy Crane, but that felt wrong yep. because he was in the broom cupboard. But it was Andy Crane. He jumped over. Andy Crane, Pat Sharp, and Yvette Fielding. Yeah. yeah. Andy Crane standing there doing the straight man stuff while a man dressed head to toe as a sort of wool zombie just parades around and screams and goes up to the camera and starts making these terrifying wailing snorty noises into it while all the children around are looking bored and sad. It's amazing television. <laughs> Hello, good morning. Welcome to the Wooly Play, where group leader Wooly is instructing the Eagle children in various Wooly activities. Shall we go and meet Wooly? Let's. 
Hello, Wooly. Let's find out what you've got the Ickle children doing. Now, what's Ickle Michael doing here? Oh, Michael's stretching wool. Is that very exciting, Michael? No. Great, smashing, super. Let's move on. And, and here's Natalie. What's Natalie doing, Wooly? Boys and girls, Natalie's dropping wool on the floor. Is that very challenging and creative? I'd rather watch the Terminator. Lovely, lovely, good answer. Right, let's move. Look, boys and girls, it's Pat. And what amazing thing is Pat doing? Pat's painting with wool, everybody. Is that very challenging and taxing to you, Pat? I want to go home. Well, what an inspiration to us all Wooly is, ladies and gentlemen. So next time it's dark and damp outside, don't feel dark and damp inside. Just get your wool out and get creative. If you'd like some more information, there's a Wooly fact sheet that Wooly's showing us now. He sent us a Wooly letter on a Wooly stamp with a Wooly... What am I doing? What am I doing here? This is just a load of old wool. Do you know, I'm glad you said that. I thought it was just me for a minute. No, no, no sorry, Pat. Children, go home. <laughs> Wooly, face it. This is just a load of old wool. Oh, Andy, come on. Wooly's all sad and spent now. Should we tell Wooly what he really wants to hear, Andy? Why don't we all tell him, boys and girls? We love you, Wooly! Yes! Hey, Wooly! Do the Wooly menu avec moi. That's French. Oh, that's last week. <laughs> right, here we go then. On the show still to come this morning, we've got the M people. I have legitimately no memory of What's Up Doc being any different to Alive and Kicking or a Going Live. It just, it was all the same thing to me. That's what it became. I guess I don't remember it, but I was, you know, I, I remember it existing and I was there mm. and it was on the television. Mm. But yeah, no, it was only SMTV was the true. Uh, that's why I had a lot of time for Scratchy and Co. Mm. Because it was so dumb. And not, it wasn't just blokes, it was just blokes, but they were wearing silly rubber wigs and suits. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back, amigos. Yes, we'll be visiting Mike, Candy, and Floss in the unfair ground very shortly. And we'll also be expecting a visit from Ant and Deck before the morning's out. <coughs> but now it's time to spot the prop. You said it, yes, the red robot was with Sedgley in the North Pole. So keep your eyes peeled for this week's star prop. And today you're looking for a pair of drumsticks. And I'm not talking about the chicken variety. So pay attention. And you could walk away with this amazing prize. Get writing, donuts. P.O. Box number 450. Birmingham B1. 3SY. P.O. Box number 450. Birmingham B1. 3SY. Why am I so funky? But... All those other things were just blokes. That's where my just blokes came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But SMTV was anarchic. I'm off on his ex-mom's house to be rude to her now. I thought that was so much fun. Did you have fun over here, you too? It was so much fun. It was better than having a tasty meal in a Swiss restaurant, wasn't it? No. No. <laughs> they said no. What a pair of poker potty loonies, that kids. They don't mean it, though. They don't mean it, do you? Yeah, we do. It's crud. <laughs> <laughs> She's making my side spit. I don't know about you, lot. I know I'm... they're very rude, aren't they? They're ruder than a diglet and a couple of poker balls. <laughs> anyway, it's time to introduce uh, this week's Pokemon. So, uh, time for Pikachu. 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 Come on, you see. No. I've been in prison. Pikachu. Pikachu. This was, by the way, listeners. This was years later. This was... Hey, 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 hey. SMTV not that far out now. I want to say SMTV 1998. Yeah. 
That's next year. Oh, I suppose it is. Yeah. <laughs> Horrifying thought. But well, yeah. the reason I say that is because I watched SMTV in my university room. So that's when that was. Now, if it was... Well, it ran for years, obviously. So Yeah, yeah that's the thing. If it started while we were still at school, then yeah. But um, where are we? Live and, ki- live and Kicking started in 1993. It took over from Going Live. Live and Kicking, yeah. It was worse than the others, but probably better than Going Live. Going Live would have been a bit gentler. It didn't have... <sighs> Didn't, didn't have, have Gordon, Gordon the Gopher, Gopher though, did it? Trouble. That's it. Gordon the Gopher was... Uh, what did Ivan Kicking have? It had that cat thing. It, it had, had a CGI, CGI cat, cat face, using the same tech as that dreadful fish. <laughs> Once again, that fish from Virtually Impossible mentioned in episode 97, <laughs> so much worse than the picture of it in my mind was. And it, I, I am afraid to go and look up what the cat from Live and Kicking looked like, because I remember it in my head. It must mm. be so much worse. I'm pretty sure the cat looks a lot better than the fish. As a rabid watcher and downloader of clips of old kids' TV off YouTube, <laughs> I think I've seen it quite recently, and it's it's okay. Um, it was a, imagine a listeners imagine the the Mario head at the start of Mario sixty four, but imagine mm. someone was connected to it and was able to like move it about and talk through it, like those clips you might have seen when Charles Martinet used to do that with Mario's head. Now, sorry, it was just a digital puppet that they used, basically. Very strange to look at, though, still. Uh, and it was up on a big wall of screens, and the presenters could interact with it in real time, because it was actually live. There was someone behind there doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Right, so would you like to carry on now? Have you got a letter? No. <laughs> <laughs> he's so shocked. He's gone he's, into he's shock. Become, he's overcome It's like he's won the Oscars, and he's just he having that moment where he can't speak. <laughs> Have you got a letter, Rats, or not? He's overcome with emotion. Am I annoying? <laughs> <laughs> Very funny, right? No, rats. Because <laughs> I've got oh. a letter if I'm not annoying. <laughs> you do your letter because you don't annoy us at all, rats, really. We love you. Right, would you, you please <laughs> do a letter? Well, this was one of, the, uh, one of the best presents I got, apart from the body warmer, which was useless. Um, <laughs> you've got to hold it up. You've got to hold it up for me here. It's, I'm going to hold uh, it, it up. Two... Oh, you're going to hold it up. No, not that one. It's the other one. Oh, it's this one. Oh. Right. <laughs> this one. Get it right. Okay. <laughs> it says, two rats, you're a star. Hope you like this little prezzy from Rubina McCardam in East Ham. Thank oh, you. It's lovely. lovely. Oh, isn't that lovely? That's a lovely Thank present. you, Rubina. Yeah, thank you. And um, it's over to your one now. Oh, yes, I'm it fine. It's, it's Dear Live and Kicking. I watch you every Saturday and I it's love it. And I think friend. I found the rats' best friend, Scratch. Yes. Oh, ooh, look at another headless she says cat. They look very much alike and they could Sorry, be from didn't... the same titter. <laughs> I think she means litter, but I'm not sure. And that's from Antonia in Poplar. Let's hope Poplar. so. Well, she could just be modelling herself. It could be a titter ye not. I'll put that there yes, for you, Rats. Oh, no. Thank you. Oh, hello, little scraps. <laughs> hello, little scraps. <laughs> Thank you very much for all of your letters, as I said. Hello, little scraps. <laughs> <laughs> rats, can He's I. Can I, just, can I just say, Rats, you've yet again managed to steal a whole item from under our feet. <laughs> yet again, you've managed to take the whole item over. We haven't done one letter. Let's have, and leave us with nothing to do. But thank you, Rats. That's why we love you. Exactly. Hello, little scrap. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just here are the presenters and here are the shows. See, going live had turtles. Yeah, that was the big one that going live had. It was turtles. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, did they, they did they have more than one cartoon? Well, they had, yeah, they had raccoons. Right, I've looked this up, and before I read it out, I just want to back up Chris here. I'm not, this is not me undermining what he said, because I thought that there were two cartoons on Going Live. He thought that there were one. There's flipping millions, right. Here's the list of cartoons I found that were delivered to us on Going Live. Spider-Man, Thundercats, Thunderbirds 2086, The Raccoons, Droids, Muppet Babies, of course, 
Visionaries, Defenders of the Earth, Ninja Turtles we knew, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Dungeons and Dragons, The Chipmunks, of course, and Pirates of Dark Water. So like, loads, loads of the cartoons we remember from CBBC were actually ongoing live, although I think a lot of them were on in the afternoons as well and that's what we remember, but still, gosh. And doesn't that just, I mean look, that just adds to the general sort of CBBC of the era flavour where it was like, you never knew when things were on, they were just on a lot, and they just popped up in places, you saw them when they were on. Turns out that's because they were constantly on. <laughs> so what did Live and Kicking have? Uh, Rugrats. Rugrats? Is literally all I can remember. Might, might be it. I mean, it may not be the only thing it ever had. It may not have been what it had at the very start, but it's literally all I remember it having. And indeed, this was an era where kids programming from America, which is where we were getting this stuff from, was stepping away from cartoons and towards live action. So you had a lot of Keenan and Kel, something called Smart Guy that I don't remember. Clarissa explains all. But also, apparently, this was where the X-Men cartoon was shown. So Chris will have watched that, although maybe he watched it elsewhere. And uh, The Simpsons. They Apparently they showed The Simpsons on this thing. All right. And while Thornbury is and Monster Rancher, and Mother Goose and Grimmy, which you'd recognise if you saw it, and Eek the Cat, and Roswell Conspiracies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've told you that we're in that era, haven't we? It wasn't quite as appointment telly for me as Going Live had been, uh, but, you know, I really appreciate that for kids a couple of years younger than me, it was there defining Saturday morning TV. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And it was good for that. You know, it was good. Like, the presenters were good. It was a good show. So we bowl on Jamie Thigston, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was Emma Forbes and Andy Peters at first, and then they took over to carry it through to the... The end, I think. Zoe Ball and Jimmy Thigston is the gestalt entity that posted <laughs> Live and Kicking and that much I remember, you know? It makes you think that because Going Live had Gordon the Gopher, Live and Kicking should have had Ed the Duck, but I don't think it did. No, that sounds right enough. He didn't, yeah. They, they had two leprechauns later. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wasn't into them. I think that, I think that was after they dumped the cat. Yes. Sage and Onion, I think their names were. Yeah, I think that's right. And they were played by the wolves from What's Up, Doc? But that's pre-Otis the Aardvark, right? He was one of the key components of why the bungalow was so funny. He was one of the main guys in that. Not Otis, but the guy who did I, it. I was going to say, because it wasn't... You know, yeah, yeah, very, very funny man called Dave Chapman. Ah! What are we going to do? I don't know. The pumpkin's heads have revolted. They've come together. Oh, no. What are we going to do, bungalow heads? We need to get them away. We need to get rid of them with something. What could we use? Um, a microwave meal for one. Yes. I'll get rid of them. Right, give it him. Give it him. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Uh, hello. Um, I was wondering if you'd go away if we um, if we give you a microwave meal for one. It's, nice. it's really it's nice. Yeah, they're going. They're yeah, going. Brilliant. Nice. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It's big, Bungalow. Thank goodness for that. Do you know, I knew that microwave meal would come in handy one day. I'll use this. Who can that be? Yes. You know your microwave meal for one. Uh, yes. I dropped it down the lab. He was just brilliant, and now he operates BB-8 and he gets to work in films. It's not as funny, though, is it? Not as funny. <laughs> but the bits but the bits where BB-8 is funny, that's Dave Chapman. You know? There's little bits where he'll just tilt his head and you go, Ha! That was good puppeting. That's Dave Chapman. Bet you. Pussycat, pussycat. Where have you been? I've been to Taunton. Taunton? Taunton! What's wrong with you? What happened in Taunton? Absolutely nothing of interest. N nothing even remotely interesting? Not even remotely interesting. Uh, well, uh, in that case... Don't hit me! Ah, uh, tough. 
Oh, 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 yeah, sorry. I'm very harassed by your continued violence. If you're not careful, I'll set my big brother on you. Oh, shush. Dead, part three. Written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Wiener, art by Mick McMahon, and lettering by Ellie DeVille. The decappers are on the verge of being dragged off into the bowels of hell, until the boss of the underworld, the Thin Controller, lays eyes on Professor Stein and falls head over heels in love, and allows the others to go back home so she and her new boy toy can be alone. It's just joke, stiff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's nice. Um, here comes some of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think they go a little something like this. <laughs> I liked the Middlesbrough football team joke. It yes. means nothing to me, but it's... We haven't lost it. STC is British comics to the core. <laughs> I presume the Middlesbrough football team must have been performing poorly in 1996. Must have been. So we meet, yeah, we meet the Thin Controller, because mm -hmm. hell is trains. I mean, that's a fact of life. Yeah. And she's in charge down there, and um, she's not fat. Like the fat controller from Thomas the Tank Engine. Do you get it? You get it. Uh, so she's here, and she witnesses the three, four, three and a half alive people <laughs> that have been allowed down into hell. And she says to Max, you've done it again, haven't you, Max? These people aren't dead. You were warned last week when you brought down the Middlesbrough football team. Oh, well, that was a mistake anybody could make. Hey! They must have been playing so badly. They probably they weren't very good at well football. They might as well have been dead. Way football. Chris and listeners, please take a moment to just appreciate the poses of these two little demons hanging out with the thin controller <laughs> in that first establishing panel of her. Look at them. They're, they're all over. They're limbs just everywhere. Just hanging off her like Baron Draxum's gargoyles just hanging off them. Rupert pleads the case, you know, so three living people go to hell, who's to know? Um, oh, all right, but just this once. And then they're about to be dragged out. Now, come along. We've got a nice sulfur pit waiting for you. I, I, I can imagine that line being written, not necessarily in this instance, but being written with the uh, intent to imply menace. Uh -huh. But these demons have so consistently across these three parts been written as guys just doing the nine to five and going home <laughs> to the wife and kids afterwards that it's like, you know, it's not, come on, we've got a nice sofa yeah. pit waiting for you. It's like, come on, we've got a nice sofa pit waiting for you. <laughs> yes, and I did love that in the next panel where Chuck says, oh, you can take Igor if you like, nobody will miss him. Igor's response to getting sent to Eternal Torment in hell sulfur pits is mm, thanks a lot <laughs> i just like this whole approach to going to hell it's very silly it's like yeah it's like being on a bad holiday and the hotel's it's bad a and... massive inconvenience yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then stein steps up stop it stop it surely we can sort this out like civilized uh, demons showing off his high heels and tights and the lady likes it what a hunk she says was <laughs> Aren't you a little cutie? I could just eat you. Oh, she can too. I've seen it do it. One of the demons in the foreground goes, Mein good woman, I, I am not that kind of professor. Ooh, that German accent just drives me crazy. Yeah, that's the resolution. What do you think she sees in him? It's probably the green hair. More or less the resolution of this trip is that just this controller of hell's trains has the hots for this professor. Gets the horn, you know. Yeah, that's it. There's no telling what this woman is capable of. And as he's dragged off in silhouette form into the fiery bowels of hell, 
demons skittering all around him, clouds of flaming yellow ash rising up around him. She goes, I don't believe in long engagements, do you? And then Rupert just grumpily folds his arms and tells the others, it's not saving up for a wedding present if I'm you. <laughs> Next issue, special full-length Sonic story. But don't worry, Decamp Attack's back in number 101. Mm. <laughs> and I'm sure the story will continue there. While this does seem like the sort of funny beat that a six-part Decapitex story could end on and then not be in the comic for several months on end. Yeah, yeah, they could go out on this. I feel like the story will quite happily pick back up. Now, I'm well aware it's because you said Baron Draxon, but she's Lena Headey. Oh, sweetie pie, yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's it's exactly what she is. Boy, oh boy, what a hunk. Ooh, that German accent drives me crazy. Lovely. Isn't she? Yes. That's what it is, yes. I was imagining something more deeper and menacing as the ruler of hell, but that's 100% what she is, yes. Now that, now that you've put the idea in my head, that's not You've done it again, haven't you, Max? These people aren't dead. <laughs> now then, we've both said it before, I'm going to say it again. Every line of this art oh. is perfect. Oh, God, it's so good. I am now fully convinced that these aren't caricatures and this is just how yeah. Mick McMahon draws people. Yeah. He's just very interesting at drawing people, is what he is, yeah. yeah. Everybody just looks like somebody. Yeah. But all the demons have the same face. I mean, so boring, you know. <laughs> He's the sort of artist who could, and probably does, sit there filling up a sketchbook with just normal people faces and all of them are interesting or funny, but they're just people's faces. I'm very jealous of artists who can do that. But also, there is always something to Mick McMahon's decap attack art that looks like, and this is going to sound like an insult and it isn't because it's a very good look, it kind of looks like his pens are running out a little bit. <laughs> the, what I, the pen he's using to draw the outlines of everything, it looks like he's having to put quite a bit of effort in. Well, you can see the stroke of the pen, is what you're saying. The stroke yeah. of the pen, the grind of the pen, it feels like he's pushing it quite hard on. Yeah, he's drawing such hard, straight lines yeah. that when he gets to the end of one and then changes direction, you yeah. can see the point. Yeah. where he turned That's when it. the pen stopped and it's a slightly darker point because the pen That's sat it. there for an extra And moment. it's not yeah. full black. It's just sort of off black, greyish. Uh, mm. Yeah, there's this pen running out look to it. I don't have anything else to say about it. It's just, just, just some good. chuckles and some beautiful art. It's real good. Um, I've Oh, I have one critique of the art. One. Mm. One and one only. And that is page three. If you look at that great drawing of the prof showing off his pins, <laughs> you see how his fingers kind of poke out over the edges of the panel? Yeah. Well, I don't know why he didn't do that same thing in the previous panel with Head, who should be poking out over the panel, in my opinion, because he's being thrown through some demons, and you can barely see him. He's, he's cut off by the edge of the panel. And he's being thrown. That's a perfect time to have him poke out over the edge of a panel. I guess, yeah. I think it's weird that he's not. Fair enough. Didn't jump out at me, but fair enough. Well, no, quite, and it should have done by poking over the edge of the panel. <laughs> and that's it. That's my one critique that I could possibly drum up of any of this art. I think it's amazing. And speaking of amazing art... Graphic Zone! It's the Red News Zone! News. Crime upon crime upon crime. <laughs> I am furious about this double-page spread. Now, we uh, deferred from explaining what Red Nose Day is before. Yes, do tell them, Dave. Once a year, there is comic relief here in the UK. This is a thing where some comedians take over the uh, BBC TV for an evening and they put on some 
ostensibly amusing sketches, they're not usually funny, and intersperse this with footage of, of people dying horribly of starvation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a great watch. No, really, it's a very honestly. depressing You tune evening. in for the Doctor Who thing in the ears, they have it, That's and it. then you feel bad about changing the channel. That's it. Uh, but the point of it is that you're supposed to see those images and go, oh, that's terrible, I'm going to donate some money, and that's a relief. You see, comic relief. Comedians providing relief for starving Africans. Sometimes there'll be a little tie-in thing. That was what the stonk was. That was a tie-in yeah. single that was supposed novelty to... Novelty single, yeah. Novelty single, all proceeds from which go to these charities. And they did that a few times, and it was never really very good. So, and we call it Red Nose Day because it's red nose, like a clown's red like nose. Like a clown, because it's, because comic, it's comic. comic relief. Big red nose. Of, and it's a way for them to get you to give them money by you, yeah. you make a little donation, uh, and you get a red nose that you can buy in a shop to put on your own nose. And you wear it at school, and you go, look, I've got a red nose on, aren't I? I'm so this red nose zone this graphic zone is all about sonic characters with red noses yes now before i start exploding with venom mm -hmm. we'll we'll look at the first one here which is from an anonymous boomer who has mm -hmm. failed to send in info and it is a drawing of sonic uh, done in maybe like a combination of crayon and colored pencil looks like mm, could be couldn't it yeah and it's sonic holding up three fingers and wearing a red nose nose and the poor <laughs> child oh dear has instead of writing in a speech bubble over sonic said <laughs> where w-e-a-r a red nose has written where a red nose bless it's very bless. It's a, like a philosophical statement isn't it where a red, where nose? A red nose but stc have turned it into a great little joke yeah by like their caption being it's on bbc one 14th of <laughs> march 1997 check press for times well done editorial that's good 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 on them <laughs> but go directly to jail for everything else that you've done on this page <laughs> where almost every other picture on this double-page spread is a defaced drawing sent in by a child where someone has scrawled a red nose over a drawing that absolutely did not have one on it before. I didn't think of it. Is that what you think? Is that what it is? Oh, look at these. Look at these. Oh, look at man. that. Okay, so the first one from Peter Spears sitting burn in Kent is oh. Amy bursting through the paper. Amy also looks in on the celebration. It's quite a nice drawing of Amy, yeah. though she's looking a bit angry about it. But... Her nose has plainly been drawn oh. black and someone's coloured over the top of it with a red marker. Oh, you're right. Down below that, David Meads, Uckfield in East Sussex. It's Knuckles doing a glide. A, a very simple line drawing of Knuckles doing a glide. Knuckles with his nose in the air, SDC's caption is. Big flipping red nose just drawn over the top of Knuckles' nose with a marker. You can see Knuckles' real nose under it. You can. Oh, gosh. Same with, uh, same with the one from Dominic Sitta from Derby over on the right with Megadroid, where they've just, it's, uh, it's just a direct copy of the Megadroid drawing. Yeah. Megadroid 2, that is. We don't see a lot of Megadroid no, 2 drawings. No, we don't, do but, we? but uh, they've just drawn a red circle where his nose would be. Yeah. And below that, from Lee Ollett from Tomside in Manchester, it's, well, it says Espio has his pierced, but it's not Really, Espio? It's like Espio with Knuckles' hair? Oh, yeah, so it is. Not sure what's going on there. And sort of like robot arms as well? Yeah, he's got joints on there, I'm not sure. And a cape. And screws and everything on his arms. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that one exactly. But on the end of his horn is a red nose, plainly drawn. Like, it, it's the way it's drawn exactly the same exactly as the, the same one as the Knuckles paste one. on it on the Knuckles one with yeah. the little single red dot of shine. No outline, and they've just left a circle of shine in where they've not coloured red, yeah. Defacement and crime. Flipping now, the other two head. drawings on here, I could believe, I believe were those genuine ones. ones. Yeah. These, yeah. these ones are genuine. Well, I think there's room enough for doubt on the one from Jessica Smith in Leicester, which is just a head-on close-up shot of Sonic. 
He's mm-hmm. just got a big red nose on him. Well, it's how big she's drawn the nose, which I do believe she's done. That implies to me. Yes, because you can't see anything through the nose. Yeah. So the, the nose really does look like it's part of the drawing. And it's a big silly, smiley Sonic as well. But then, but then, there's me saying that I believe because the nose is so big that it was always meant to be coloured in. I would have said that about Amy, though. She's got quite a big nose on her compared to usual. Oh, but it's so blatantly. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. It definitely is that, yeah. But Sonic's does look like a big clown nose, to be fair. It could have been a clowny Sonic drawing, couldn't it? And if they, they must mm. Surely they had some clown drawings in the bank that they could have used for this page. Well, the last one, well, made for a May of Rafferty in County down Northern Ireland, that's genuine. Yeah. Uh, but bizarre. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Nose is how they've captioned it. Yeah. Part of how you can tell it's genuine is this is very much the imagination of the sort of child who sent stuff into this because it's just a little bit wrong, isn't it? In, in yeah. different ways. I don't know what... Is it supposed to be... Yeah. ...an egg cup? Oh! It could be... Because it's Dr. Robotnik. I don't think so, But his body so. is just kind of fused into an egg cup shape with his legs... All the way on his arm, but but mm. his head is there, but his head's not. God, you, I never I, noticed that. You could be right. The reason I never noticed it is because the feet and legs are not separate units in this drawing. They are mm-hmm. tapered parts of a single shape, an egg cup shape, yeah. leading up to an egg poking out of it. But that egg well, is fluffy, though. Yes, it's done with fluffy edges. Yeah. So I don't know what it's supposed to be. So, it looks like Doctor Robotnik with a big fluffy ruff around. With his a big neck. fluffy ruff. That's exactly. Because then Doctor right, Robotnik's yeah. face is just on the front of the egg. Mm. As it would be if it was poking out of a rough. And he's also got a red nose <laughs> on the top point of his head. Yes, because he's, he's already, already got, got a red, red nose. nose <laughs> he, then he's got a red nose on the top point of his head. So I don't know if this is supposed to be something else. I don't know. Do you think? Uh-huh. Uh, I do think, okay. actually, no. I don't know what it was. Go on. Something's been erased from his hand. Oh, you're right. He's holding something. Something was in his hand. And he it's was supposed to be holding something, and it's been rudely cut erased off. completely. Yep. I have maybe a spoon. I'm going to guess. That's it was what a I was spoon. about to say. And he's in a big egg. He's a big, big egg. egg. A big egg. What a travesty! That's the graphic zone, and it's just. I swear mm. to God, never once in my life did I think they were capable <laughs> of yeah. lying and misleading me yeah. like this. We made off-handed comments about it once or twice. Yeah. And then the truth came spilling up. Jess Padkin ripped the lid off mm. this thing. Exposed the seedy underbelly of the graphic <laughs> zone. What I think what she's done is one of the most important pieces of journalism in the history of Sonic the Comic. Yes. <laughs> it's a narrow field, but yeah. it is significant. And we get to take credit for it because we were her publisher yes. at the time. <laughs> Sonic the Comic, the podcast, reveals... <laughs> Uh, and you still get mini stampers. Couldn't even use a mini stamper to stamp a red nose on. <laughs> Unjustifiable. I bet there's some other unjustifiable <laughs> nonsense in the diary zone. I have a bad case of diary. 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 Diary, diary, doodly dear. Welcome to the diary zone, the section of the podcast where. As part of our continuing efforts to make you feel and understand what it was like to be there being a kid when this comic was coming out, we give you my actual teenage diary from the two weeks in which this comic was out. This is really my diary from the time, and I'm going to read you some of it right now. Beginning with Wednesday, the 5th of March, 1997. Last night, came home to find a shiny new Amiga 1200. 
Oh, my friend's got an Amiga now, and it's better than mine. We've made a computer chain. F***ing Dave at the top. I get to occupy the top spot oh, because right. I'm just egotistical, I guess. Next, it's coming in at second with a 1200, but no hard drive in it. And third, with an Amiga 600. Not so much a computer chain as a computer ranking system. Yes, that's to right. To figure yes. out which of your friends you are better than morally. Correct, yes. But I have moved up to first place. Because you have a sneeze. <laughs> no. <laughs> because I am about to get huh? a, a Pentium PC, PC. Oh. with 32 megabytes of RAM, a 2 gigabyte hard drive, MMX technology, and a 15 inch monitor, a really good modem, oh, that all of 56K. Really good. Ooh. An inkjet printer. Ooh, coming with the printer and all. A CD drive. Ugh. And more. It arrives on Tuesday. I cannot believe my luck in emphasizing those syllables. I have just punched myself intimately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am getting my first PC, and Chris, that means I'm getting on the, get internet. On the internet. This is the looming threat of this <laughs> year, of 1997. Yeah. Dave Boomer gets on the internet. <laughs> and starts spreading his wild rubbish. It's just, no, it's, it's, I joke, but it is a scary closing of a circle. Yes. Of two yeah. worlds that feel mm. not as separate for you as they do for me. Because I was done with STC by the time yes. the internet was a thing yeah. for me. Very but different you, parts you of You do life. have these few years of overlap. Mm -hmm. But for me, this is like, it's almost impossible to believe these two things coexisted. Yeah. Like talking about how there's only three games left for the Mega Drive. Yeah. You know, it's like, what is even happening in 1997? Uh -huh. But we have held up 1997 for quite some time now uh -huh. as the year everything changed. It's like two realities merged. Something quantumly went wrong and everything, just the world just flooped into a different world. That's what happened in 1997. And here I am flooping into it now. I cannot believe my luck. I'm going to see my friend Andy on Saturday and get some internet email addresses off him. Internet, the I and the E of internet email capitalized there, of course. And I will be able to email STC. Oh, the first thing I intended to do with the entire internet when I got it. That changing of the world was to connect with STC. I wanted to email them. I wanted to be part of Speedlines. Thursday, the 6th of March. Stuff to get for my PC. 1. SimSock 2. Can you imagine what SimSock was? <laughs> uh, not some sort of soccer simulation, sure. No, no, no. It sounds like it, doesn't it? It sounds yeah, like yeah. it can't be a simulation sock game. So it must be a simulation soccer game. But I wouldn't be talking about that. No, exactly. This can be passed, but I'm not going to make you do it because I, there's no point in burning out your brain in that way. Sim? I'm not going to make you do it. No. Simulated? No. It's not simulated. No. Sim... It's not pronounced sim. Simon the Sorcerer. Yes! Simon the Sorcerer! <laughs> that was the only clue I needed, folks! <laughs> I wasn't going to make you do it, but you did it well done by yourself. 
Um, yeah, SimSock 2. I don't know. I'm just... I'm, you, it, you, I don't need to explain. It's me. You just, you're saving space. You're saving space on the page. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also dreadful. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> you guys understand the diary zone by now. I don't need to explain why I call it SimSock 2. <laughs> Things to get for PC. One, SimSock 2. Two, Settlers 2. And three... I'm going to make you guess this one. Oh boy. What could I want to get in 1997? My first PC. I've been aching for this. I've never had it. Now I've got a machine that can do it. After it. Some kind of dizzy thing. Dizzy for the PC. No. Why am I making you guess this at all? The PC version of Sonic and Knuckles? Nearly. And Sonic CD. Yes! PC version Sonic CD. Just out. Finally, I've got something I can play it on. And four, Tomb Raider. I've heard that it rules... And that Lara's a babe, but I haven't seen her. <laughs> I'm surprised you hadn't managed to see her somehow, but then I suppose how would you? Yeah. Yeah. We were we were happy with polygons in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Friday, the very next day, the seventh, I have seen Lara now. She has enormous ample breasts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that those words. It's inconceivable <laughs> that the child from yeah. scarce a few years ago yeah. heard on this podcast yeah. instructing his brother not to touch that magic kit till he'd read all the instructions <laughs> has had that thought, never mind written it down. And I certainly don't believe for a second that they were aroused by it. No, 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 no. I remember that much, no. But it was, you have to admit, it was the striking thing about Lara. Oh, 100%, sure. It's just the. the <laughs> It's not the, wow, she's got lovely tits. Yeah. You didn't write that, did you? I did, did not. No, no I so didn't. Scott, lovely ample breasts. Enormous ample breasts. <laughs> yes, I've four brothers. I've, I've recorded this hype about how ample hubbles. <laughs> Dave, have you seen this new character? Oh, yes, she's got ample breasts, hasn't she? <laughs> and Jane's got two lovely maracas. <laughs> oh. What is this show? <laughs> Sunday the 9th. I'm developing an STC script about the destruction and rebirth of Mobius. <laughs> I'm at it again. It never stops. No. You're just constantly trying to end Mobius. I know. Now is that... I wonder if I'm going, I'm going to write a comic script of the end of Mobius and send it into STC. This must have been the start of the idea of reworking end yeah. of Mobius that eventually yeah. grew to become... The online fanfic. Must be, wasn't it? And so what, you can see what's happening here. Because I'm about to get a Sonic game that I've wanted since I was in the deepest throes of Sonic fandom and have never had the means of having, I'm getting all Sonic-y. And that's what's about yes. to happen. This is a this is a second wind of Sonic-iness for the, for the diary here. Anyway, I'm feeling all Sonic CDE. I've been listening to the music about three times over. And I'm very nostalgic for those days that we used to hang out and talk about it all the time at school with those two little guys that I was friends with my Sonic CD friends. Oh, bless. Which yeah. feels like no time at all ago to you and me now, Sonic mm. CD. That was, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. it was a number of years ago, but, you know, whatever. This is all, this whole podcast has gone past in a flash. Yeah. But think how long ago that was in your mind in 1997. Wednesday, PC Day! Yes! It rules! First thing, I installed Stu's Sonic CD demo, and I was astonished to find that it contains the anim on the demo, plus an exclusive Sonic Boom song. <laughs> Sonic Boom, Sonic Boom. 
<laughs> I then played on the stunningly amazing Normality, which rules. You ever heard of Normality? Mm, I don't think so. It just came with the PC. It was like an early attempt at a 3D game, I guess. Like in the, not not that early because this is post Doom, but in that era of like, what are we doing? How do we make 3D? What technology do we use for 3D? But it was a point-and-click adventure game, but where you have a 3D POV, but all the stuff you're looking at is drawn. It's just sprites that get bigger and smaller. It was very very weird. I believe it was voiced by Corey Feldman. Say there, do you know what this throbbing worry thing is? Hmm. <laughs> I don't got a clue, but I, but I feel a bit weird when I'm near to it. Bye, die, you crazy old guy. Well, better to be crazy than lazy, boy. Ha ha! I'd say au revoir, because I got a feeling I'll see you again soon. You have a spark I haven't seen for ages. But only in the American re-release. I had the original British version in which a British man was kind of trying to do a sort of American voice, man. And it was often hard to listen to. Say, do you know what this throbbing, worry thing is? <sighs> I don't have a clue, but I feel a bit weird when I'm near it. Bye, die, you crazy old guy. Better to be crazy than lazy, boy. I'll say au revoir, because I got a feeling I'll see you again soon. You have a spark I haven't seen for ages. I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn at the minute. Yeah. What are that in there? It's there. Brits doing American accents. I can always spot a Brit doing a fake Yank accent. It's my superpower. Well, it's my secondary mutation. My main <laughs> power is the ability to tell when the creator of a cartoon is doing a voice in it. <laughs> yeah. That's my true superpower. Then I had to go on Mech Warrior and... It comes with a pretty decent version of Minesweeper. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's been mucking around with the, the third, third dimension. dimension. <laughs> Dangerous okay. business, well that. Done, Dad. Dangerous business mucking around with that third dimension. <laughs> You'll wind up trapped inside a cube or something. <laughs> I looked it up. It's like a 3D making program, but also it's like a game. It's like, it just it kind of gives you all these toys to play with, and you can make a a cube and you can turn it round and get trapped inside it <laughs> yeah but then you can make a cow <laughs> you can make an alien ufo hey there's pre-rendered backgrounds and stuff and they do little animations and stuff it's, a bit, it's a, something to play around with when you've got your first 3d machine really and it's nearly my birthday too oh you didn't actually get the computer for the birthday I well it wasn't was... mine yeah it was uh, oh, it was the house's it was yeah. the family's computer but you bet it was about to become the subject of Birthday 97! Uh, I got the full Sonic CD! Yeah, oh wait, no. The American palm tree panic music. It's, there's no celebration to it at all. It's all a bit lost on me. I've played the game, but I just have no frame of reference for the alternate soundtracks. Oh man, you got to get them listened to. They're so good. Both of them are good. I would, I would never get it done. Even put in the CD of the good Sonic music. You, it's really good. We talking about you? You appreciate a good game music when playing <laughs> a game. Well, play it then. Well, yeah, I could do that, but I don't know. I don't even know which version of it is that I have. I got the version of the PlayStation Store on my PS3, and it's still sitting there. Oh, I think it, I bet that's the Christian what's his name one. Uh, yes, probably. So that's got both soundtracks. You can just switch. It's in the menu. So I got Sonic CD, 
and Simon the Sorcerer 2, and a Third Rock book. Oh, Third Rock from the Sun? Is that yeah. where we are now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Third Rock taken over from Saved by the Bell is your sitcom reading of choice. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I don't remember this book. I don't know what it would have been. Clearly, they didn't make much of an impact then. I recently no. watched all of Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah, is it good? It's all right. It's weirdly dated. It's weirdly dated back. Mm. It was very early on in it, but it just reminded me of a time when cars were seen as the ultimate status symbol that a woman mm. would absolutely go out with a terrible man for, <laughs> and large butts were not desirable. Right. Right. Those were the two big takeaways I made from uh, from Third Rock from the Sun. That's what was going on in the 90s. Whereas now men and women have completely changed their stance. We like big butts, we cannot lie. And women are only impressed now by Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they tell themselves anyway, all those blokes who invest in it. It's the same guys who bought the big cars in the 90s. (laughs) Saturday the 15th of March, 1997. We are... Connected. Have you logged on to the information superhighway? Yes. And here's what I did on the first day that I got on the internet. I've been on the World Wide Worm. Yes, the Worm's homepage. Oh, right. Okay. I think, or something. The Worm's something. It might have been a web ring. Do you remember web rings? Hentai free and proud. (laughs) And then... (laughs) We we slam into three portentous words. <laughs> you won't guess. <laughs> Pregnant, sonic, vor. <laughs> Must find Archie. Ooh. <laughs> Apparently, on the first day on the internet, I found out about the existence of Archie comics. Wow. Monday the 17th. Um... I played on level one of Sonic 3 and Knuckles for the PC today. And this one came on a demo disc. I remember this came in a magazine. It's exactly the same as the Mega Drive version. But the music's crapper. (laughs) There you go. That's the Diary Zone. We are now at the precipice of a lot of... Stupid bullshit. Stupid fandom bullshit. Little Dave is about to become an online Sonic fan. Oh my god, the circle is closed. The Mm. circle is now complete. That's where we are. The dawn of a new era. The internet has unfolded and opened up before us, and we have here a record of what happened in those early days to me. (laughs) To you, which is not directly transferable upon other more normal people. (laughs) No, who would have gone boobs? Yes, well, you know, but you would have typed... Ample breasts. <laughs> <laughs> and from now on, like, that's me on the internet now forever. There is no exit. Ah, that's which the is the title of... Name. Sonic's World. No Exit. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Andy Pritchett, and letters by Tom Frame. The people of Mobius rise up against Robotnik's forces, with the Freedom Fighters at the head of the charge. A desperate Grimer calls in a veritable army of badniks from surrounding zones to counter the revolution, and our heroes look like they've met their match. Until everyone's attention is drawn to the sky by the light of the exploding black asteroid. 
Continuity. Oh. <laughs> Continuity. You don't understand. Just if they, this could have happened in anything, and it would be just this exciting. If that's if this if something in the Beano started in the first strip and happened in later strips in one issue of the Beano, that would be ridiculous. I can remember the Beano doing that a couple of times. Oh, really? Well, I bet it was exciting. Well, no, I specifically remember it. No, no memory at all what the context, what the actual story was. But you remember how the Beano used to be. Back at this time, mm-hmm. you had Dennis the Menace on the front cover, yes. and the story continued on the back cover. Now, like any normal person, I read the front cover, and then I read the back cover. Yeah. And then I went inside the comic. Yeah. But this issue with Abino, something happened on the front cover in the Dennis strip. A character. Mm. Maybe it was maybe it was Nasher ran away. Maybe it was yeah. something like that. But then every strip in the comic had... Na- let's say it was Nasher ran away. I don't think it was, but let's Running say. through the background. No, maybe the story would be about him or something. Whoa. You know, He would be guesting in all the strips. And then it would culminate in him coming back to Dennis on the back cover. And I read the back, I flipped over to the back cover immediately. Yeah, because you do, yeah. <laughs> you know, and read the back of it. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. But So I'm supposed to... And then it was like this whole... That's amazing. Do they expect me every week <laughs> yeah. to read the front cover, the whole comic, and then the back cover? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't remember the content. I, I, like, that Nasher is an example I'm making up to yeah. illustrate. Yeah. But I bet they've done that. I bet they've done Nasher running away and running through the comic. I bet that's one they've done. Something like that. But I'm sure they've done that a couple of times. Yeah. And obviously the Beano is different now anyway, so it doesn't work like that anymore. It has yeah. covers now on the Beano. And no, because the Beano was a silly comic for children yeah. in the 80s, where Sonic had an exploding asteroid that was about to shut down every important machine on a planet. You wouldn't get that in the Beano. This is like if in an episode of Grange Hill at the end of CBBC, a character walked out of a door and then walked in in the middle of Neighbours straight afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. But again, that's the big talking point of the issue. Because this is just yeah. a sort of a direct follow-on from uh, Solidarity last issue, even though it's got the new name No Exit. Mm. Which is an odd name for it, because it doesn't um, it really feels like it's got much to do with the comic. Does it have anything to Yeah, why is it called that? I don't know. Where the citizen uprising continues to mount. The freedom fighters are there at the head of it all. They're appearing on the news with mm-hmm. Cat Addy <laughs> instead of Kate Addy, the real life news at 10 well, report. It's Addy, isn't it? Isn't it Kate Addy? I don't know. I don't know, mate. I think it's Kate Addy. All right. Whatever. <laughs> and I think it's Kate Addy. I didn't watch the news. How would I know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know what she looks like. I just. I just remember that set of syllables. I bet she turned up on a house party once. <laughs> oh, look at all these lovely Mobians that Andy Pritchard has yeah. drawn. That look like they don't belong in a Sonic story. But look at them. Look how brilliant they all are. I know that big guy with the big afro, or the way Cat Eddie is just a large, like white plank, just a big white square of head Huge. with a tiny face down in the middle of it. Face, uh, yeah. They look great. I love them. I love them all so much. Yeah. And doesn't he draw, we didn't really remark on it last issue, but I love his Grimer too. Oh yeah, especially on this first page. That's fantastic. Yeah. Doing a, He's got a bit of a John Pertwee mouth going on. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's on the news saying we're fighting back and Grimer's going, I knew something like this would happen while the master was away. Oh, if the doctor hears about this, I can kiss my hair gel allowance goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good laugh at Lovely that because obviously you need a lot of gel to get Grimer's do going, yeah. don't you? And then... Johnny really comes into his own, punching some fash. Yeah, but just like the troopers come out to block the people from marching up on them. By rule of Dr. Robotnik, surrender or be exterminated. Mm, Generous choices, says Amy. And then, yeah, Johnny just comes in and whams the trooper on the arm, makes him drop his gun. 
Didn't you goons hear the news? Robotnik's rules mean nothing around here now. Then Johnny vaults on his staff and punts the guy right in the chest, kicks him over, sends him flying back into a load of other badniks. Spread the word to your pals the next time you bump into them. Then the trooper bumps into them and he goes, oh, that would be a good opportunity. Hey, that's a good bit. Yeah. Good bit of Johnnying there. And then Grimer... Acting tyrant Grimer calling <laughs> all badniks in nearby zones. So then, yeah, a nice big panel of badniks of all makes and models swooping in. These badniks, small nitpick, we've got a bat brain with handles, which is a pleasant misreading of their little legs, but I quite like it. Yeah, I quite like it too. But, nitpicking aside, this is a swarm of badniks, recognisable mm, yeah, badniks. proper badniks. They're real yeah. ones, they're drawn just about correctly, they're the right colours. Badniks, lovely to see. There's hundreds of them, says Johnny. and uh, All under one roof. The Freedom Fighters are going to go and get weapons from Citadel Robotnik. And Tails says, I'll cover you. This is a private rebellion. You <laughs> creeps aren't invited. And he smashes up a buzz bomber. And he goes, oh, I almost sound as cool as Sonic. Ah, then he gets shot. <laughs> now this is what I call job satisfaction. But the people aren't having any of it. Tails is down, but the big gorilla from last issue has caught him. Oh, I love that big gorilla. Look at him there. Yeah, look at him. And he's like, right, we won't accept any alternative. Fight on to the end. But then they find themselves surrounded by what appear to be some oddly drawn neutrons. Mm. You know, the, the, the neutro-badniks, are the, well, they're really supposed to be chameleons, aren't they? I think they, so, they, yeah. The way they fade in, but neutro, yeah, from uh, from Sonic 1. They don't much like him. Neutrons in front of them, they're all bipedal and green and yellow. Um... And then behind them, it's Vermin the Cybernick. Yeah. Oh, just happy to see him again. What if there was a bad one? Was not expecting that. Yeah, just nice to see him pop up. Looks like your choices have run out, heroes. And they are surrounded. And Johnny's like, oh, must be a new aftershave, Johnny. Mm. Even time to crack wise in the face of death. Yeah. We've really had it this time. It's been great knowing you, Amy. Johnny almost about to confess his love there nearly. Mm-hmm. Wait, look up. Something's happening in the sky. <laughs> to be continued in next issue, special full-length story. Dave, did you know there was going to be a full-length story what, like next full issue? Length, 22 pages. It's amazing that they would hold off until the very end to tell Goodness us that. me. The final victory. Yes. It's hard to truly have much opinion about this as a set of isolated stories. Yeah. Because it... It's all about building the hype up for next is, issue, yeah. isn't it? Just, just like as a whole issue, like yeah. the individual chapters of the stories is like, no, it's like, yeah, we'll wait till next issue though, kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it does a, I, I think this issue overall does a great job of building up to something big. You can tell something's coming, that it's going to be oh big. Oh my God, yes. And you kind of know what it's going to be. But also, <laughs> I mean, well, no, but that we do here now, and obviously it's impossible to separate the fact that we know that now yeah. from what it must have been like looking at this back then. Because I've said before mm -hmm. how I just, it, I had ruled by Robotnik. Yeah. That was just the comic. Yeah. And the idea of that ever coming to an end. Mm. Just didn't seem feasible. No. You know, you didn't... Comics, didn't, that's not how comics were. That's not how children's cartoons no. were. You don't beat the body. No. It doesn't happen. STC, man. STC knew where it was at. 1997, issue 100. Next time, it all changes. It's going to be amazing, you guys. First letter in here from Robert Holloway in Luton. Further in the point we just made a second ago, Robert writes in to say, I've read quite a few Sonic stories, but not one of them shows Dr. Robotnik being beaten by Sonic and the gang. Uh, Why is this? Just pump the brakes there a minute. Yes, they do. I guess he means... That's what constantly happens. He must mean permanently defeated. 
for he remains ruler of the planet, you know? Yeah, I guess, but like, do you know what I mean? That's what a Sonic story is. Robotnik does a bad thing, Sonic f***s it up, they all do that. I don't know why yeah. Robert is writing in to say this. He means that he's still in charge of the planet, I'm sure it's clear to me what he means. He also asks, he's always wondered what an Omniviewer is and what it does. Can you explain? Read the comic, mate. Well, no, I mean, I think you could read the comic and still be very puzzled about what the Omniviewer is and exactly what he does. Well, I guess, but that's all, that's the sum total of information. Like, we don't, we don't have anything yes, else. Yes, yeah, <laughs> well, well then, then that's why you should write in and ask for more information. Yes, well. It's not in the text, you've got to go outside the text, don't you? And the uh, answer is actually a little bit odd, I think. Hmm. Well, Megadroid says, may I remind you, Robert, that anything can happen in the world of Mobius, so look out for next issue, in regards to the beating Robotnik thing there. Then, in regards to the other question, he says, the Omniviewer is the guardian of the special zone. Okay. Okay. An information source. Not unlike me, really. No, he's not. That's not. That's no. I mean, I mean, Sonic went to him yeah. for information. That's a really weird description of the Omniviewer. Back in his introductory story. The Omniviewer you know, is a window that you can jump through to get anywhere in time and space. That's what the Omniviewer is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, correct. Yeah. Originally, his original purpose in that, in issue eight, was to show a bit of information on his screen. That's not, he's not an information source. Well, I mean, he is, but so are we. So are you. Yes, he's an Everyone information is. source in the same way that you or I are. You can tell someone something and now you're an information source. You know, yeah. okay. I mean, I don't know. You know, next to whatever happened to the Echidnas and why were there two sets of Chaos Emeralds, mm. which are really, you know, part of the same story in my mind. What the flip was the Omniviewer yeah. was always the other big question that I had out of the back of Sonic the Comic. Tune in to the you, Patreon. You, uh, every yes. <laughs> <laughs> you had your own ideas and wanted... But but these two things yeah, because were the, it was the, the two questions question, yeah. that you fundamentally put at the heart yeah. of your self-insert story in the middle of your story about ending Mobius. <laughs> but which secrets of Mobius will now presumably be all about. So yeah, <laughs> tune into the Patreon for that, folks. Take Amy. Ah, like a hand's aim. Oh, thank you. I actually didn't get it. I was like, what? What's that? Uh, yeah. Even though it's the only joke they do about Amy ever. <laughs> Dear Megadroid, why is it that all the heroes in Sonic games are boys? Do the people who make the games think that girls are wimps? Also, why can't they put Amy into a game? Says Jillian Human. That's human. Not she's not just a human. <laughs> I didn't until you said it out loud. Well, yeah, my name is Normal Human. <laughs> From Walthamstow, London, Master System owner. Oh, I bet Gillian gets tons of stick about that. I today. know. I know. Human to have a surname, you know. Yeah, come come and join Gillian. If you're out there, come and join our Discord because poor old Dan Ratcliffe is on there and he's got the same trouble. <laughs> he will console you. You can be friends. No, they're not, Gillian. Says Megadroid, they're hedgehogs. Ah! As for wimps, STC boomers know how Amy has often saved Sonic spikes, but don't let him know. Amy made her game's debut in Sonic CD, and she also got behind the wheel in Sonic Drift Racing on the Game Gear. I mean, the point Jillian is making is true. Mm. You can only play as the boys. Mm. All the heroes in the games are boys. But what Jillian could not know is that right now in development is Sonic Adventure, in which you play yeah, as this Amy. Is true. Yep. It's getting done. So Megadroid, it, it does sort of sound like whenever she said, Amy made her game's debut in Sonic CD, it almost makes it sound like he's contradicting her. He's like, no, I think you'll find, yeah. actually. He's really answering the question, why can't they put Amy into a game? But then Jillian is not asking, mm. 
why can't Amy appear as the background character mm. to be saved in the game? Yeah. Jillian wants to yeah. play as Amy, but she'll soon have the chance. Dear Megadroid, this one comes in via the miracle of email from Doug <laughs> Flynn and his buddy Daniel. Uh, my friend Daniel and I are reporting for our school on the Dulwich College Prep School newspaper. Aww. School newspapers, something I'm fully convinced only exists in Saved by the Bell and related <laughs> programming. Like, No, I was the cartoonist for hours. No, you yep. were a Saved by the Bell character in that case. I mean... No. <laughs> school newspaper. I'm not one of the most realistic people you know. <laughs> We are writing the comic and video game section and wondered how STC gets the info for the Sega game charts. Mm. We'd also like to know when the next Sonic art convention is, and lastly, how you felt when your comic proved to be a success. Oh, oh bless. And they go for it. They're like, you know what, we're giving them this. They've nice big long yeah. answer. Such a long answer, there's only room for one piece of art. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if they emailed back an even longer answer to actually go in mm. the paper, you know? And the answer is as follows, especially for you, Doug and Dan, STC gets its game charts from ChartTrack, who compiled the info supplied to them by Elsper. Very, very useful there, just saying the words that are underneath the chart. Thank you, That's that, that really helps. This info is also published in other video game mags and on CFAX and Teletext, too. As already mentioned, you can catch up with the UK Comic Art Convention held at the Institute of Education Bedford Way, London, WC1. The STC signing will be held on Sunday the 16th of March, at 3pm, all children under 14 years of age will be admitted free, provided they are accompanied by an adult. Boo. Boo. Boomers wanting more info about the convention can write to Sonic the Comic Signing PO Box 146 Glasgow Scotland G15RN. As for STC's success, remember that you can't keep a good thing down. Oh. Wait a minute, wait a minute. 16th of March? That's perilously close to publication date. We've had that in the Diary Zone. It was the day I went to Mars Attacks and got an email from a Dizzyman. I think I got that one. Wasn't very interesting. Yes, it's less than two weeks uh, away. Yes. Well, to be honest, that's kind of when you want to hear about these things, isn't it? Not me. Two weeks, is it? I need months not, of Well, yeah, you need, you need <laughs> months of notice, yeah. But that's me. It's a good amount of time to go like, let's go to that and go. As long as you've got the clout to make your parents throw away what they're doing. Well, that's know? it, yeah. And the piece of art on this page is in from John McCarthy from Seskin in County Cork in the Republic of Ireland. And he's drawn Knuckles all done up for St. Patrick's Day. Mm. Knuckles goes green for St. Patrick's Day is the caption STC have put on it. And believe you me, there's no mistaking <laughs> that that's very literally what's been drawn here. No repurposing. Yeah, they've not drawn over this. No uh, tangential <laughs> exploitation of the image's content to tie into a holiday. It's Knuckles the Leprechaun, the Echidna. It's... Yeah. He's got uh, Ireland written across his shirt, and he's and he's wearing a hat that says "I love era" across the brim of it, and it's like, yeah, fair yep. enough. And he's got a single piece of pasta <laughs> stuck to his shirt. <laughs> and as we all know, oh, he's pink. Pink, pink. Well, I think that'll bring us to the end. We've gone on a bit long today, yes. so no mailbag this no, episode. Sorry, but uh, listen, there's no point stretching out the tension any longer before issue 100 comes along. No. For on the back cover of this issue, where it was last time, we find the ad for next issue. Celebrate STC's 100. <laughs> eh, I question your grammar. Yeah. And it's the Sonic 3D box art yes. there. The whole page is just a big black uh, page with that, the the ring containing the Sonic 3D head. Yes, the, the weird broken ring that was always weird in the first place, that they had yes. breaks in that ring. And little speed lines radiating it for, out from around it as well. I reckon this is what the pin-up is. 
four mega stories. The final victory. <laughs> Plus free transfers, which are pictured here. We'll talk about them next time. And a Sonic pinup. STC. One. No. Oh. No. Oh. Come on. One hundred issues. A hundred. You know, I'm less surprised that there have been a hundred issues than I am that we've done a hundred episodes. episodes. Yeah. That's really more of that that thing. Yeah. It's like, I could believe I'd read a hundred issues at this point. Yeah. I can't believe I've done a hundred episodes talking about them. No. On sale Wednesday, the 19th of March, 97, £1.25. So when you want to join in the centenary celebrations, you'll find that episode most places good podcasts can be got from. But you can also download it directly from our website at stctp.zoom. And you can follow the podcast over on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast. We're both on there still. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely. And we're both on YouTube under those names as well. And speaking of YouTube, we're using YouTube yeah. as a more pronounced venue for our current Patreon-exclusive content. As you all know by this point, you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash stctp, where a donation of any amount gets you access to the bonus bank of uh, videos looking at the Martin Adams novels, and Dave's, we've mentioned it several times in the course of this episode already, terrible old fan fictions. But for our new content for this year, the fourth and final Martin Adams novel, and the sequel to Dave's dreadful fan fiction, <laughs> which is the potential to be even worse than the first. We are doing them as live streams yeah. on YouTube, available exclusively to Patreons. You can be there, you can chat to us while we do it, you can heckle, you can jekyll... You can feckle. It fundamentally, we've done one so far, and it fundamentally turned what should have been a half hour into an hour and a half. So. Uh, I think we're partly culpable as well. <laughs> little bit, little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, so come and annoy us at patreon.com forward slash SDCTP, and you get all that stuff. Also, wherever you're listening to this, get a review in there, rate and review, if it's the sort of venue where you can do that. If you want to be in our mailbag, which we didn't do this episode, but we often do, oh, yeah. you can write to stctpodcast at gmail.com, anything you like. Talk about stuff, talk about the weather, we don't care. Send pictures, send music, whatever you want to do. Our theme song was called Synchronize. It's by a band called Sonic the Comic, whose work you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. Remember them. Mm. We'll come back to them shortly. Mm. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you next time. Stop! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're probably thinking at this point exactly the same thing as me, that at some point in the next couple of minutes, Gaston's mess is going to end up possibly over my face. So I'm going to throw a spanner in the works. How would Gaston react, I wonder, if I were to substitute this relatively harmless foam fish for the mess in question? Now what'll happen? Go! And, uh, so much for the red herring. <laughs> I feel so much better now! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, quantum physicists, let that be a lesson to you not to mess with time, the fourth dimension.